Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Ben Griffin Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Henry and Nate, who's returning from episode nine. In this installment, we talk about discourse, the environment, movies, and self-reflective habits. Thanks for joining us today and hope you enjoy the podcast. Henry, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. He looks at me oh. like an owl. Like, what the hell is going on here? Thanks, Nate Dog is back. I, I don't actually know where that name came from. Where, um, where so did Nate Dog? Is that a? It's like it's like a cross country track thing. Okay. There's a guy. I think the year, he graduated a year or two before I, I even got here, but his name was Nate Dog, and he was from what I've heard, he was like an out there dude. He always wore like leather gloves and like button down shirts and ties <laughs> everywhere, and like he'd like punch trees before races, and he was just kind of a. He was an out there dude from from what I've heard. So everyone's like, "Oh wow, we got another Nate. That's Nate Dog." So, so you were just, Nate. Dog. I just inherited the name. You were put in with the crazies. Exactly, second generation. That um, makes sense. The the bloodline is strong, so <laughs> that's it. Just adopting what's already there. So yeah, and of course, we've got Henry. Yes, hello. Welcome to the podcast, man. I love having you. you here. Thank He's you. got this huge tuff of hair <laughs> stuffed underneath the headphones. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's so like, oh, I don't know. It looks like a lion's mane. It's, it's like wonderful. Wow. Yeah. But I, let's just jump right into it. You were going to bring something up here. You yeah. came in. You're like, I got an idea. <laughs> I need to talk to you guys about something. going to be cooking. Okay. Jump right out at it. So Friday and Saturday, I went to this event on campus called the Talk Climate Institute. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. How'd that go? It went pretty well. Um, and I've been trying to like talk more about climate with people Sweet. after going to that. Like that's kind of the, <laughs> the purpose of the whole thing. And earlier this morning I was talking with um, someone at breakfast right before coming here who was like, I don't want to say not on board, but maybe not on board on the way that I am about climate change. Oh, and I see. I don't know. I was wondering if you guys would want to talk about it. I don't want to like ruin our friendship or anything, but like no, you know, that's dude, what we're here for. This is you know? this is the platform to share, man, because I don't. I don't look into it as much. I, I consider myself kind of a casual listener. I think I'm like most people where, yeah, I want to help. But a part of me just feels like I either don't know enough or that the community I just don't want to be involved with in some weird way through some story or something happens. And I'm like kind of on the edge and I'm never taking that jump to be in the marches. So I'd love to hear whatever you got to say. You know, this is about learning because <laughs> I'm a certifiable idiot on this podcast. So bring it up. I would love to hear what you got. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot more involved in, I guess, activism around climate change pretty recently. Uh -huh. um, I've started taking environmental studies classes and I was I participated in the climate strike back in like September. I forget yeah. when that was. It was. Were you on the march that went to, uh, there was one that went to Duluth? I was not. You weren't on that one. But okay. there there was a climate strike like on campus. I it, do remember that one. It wasn't yes. a huge deal. Like honestly, the turnout was kind of sad, but like. I got my I, wristband. You I got your, did you I, get the green one? Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was good. People got those. I still see those around, you know. Yeah. I, I'll try once in a great while to do it. I took the environmental uh, communication class mm. and that was really awkward. Mm. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I guess the question I want to pose for you guys is I get that not everyone can feel like they can take action on it or maybe feels like it's just not their issue. Like they have other things they're more passionate about. But 
I really feel like it's important enough to talk about mm-hmm. on a semi-regular basis. Like I, I feel like everyone should talk about climate change with the people they care about. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that happens. Like I think yeah. more than half of everyone in Minnesota, maybe even at this college, don't have those conversations. And do you guys think that's lacking or do you think it's okay that we're is it, is it something that is so important we need to be discussing it frequently? Hmm. I got stuff. I know I think you about do this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I might be taking. I don't know if I'm gonna say it's an opposite of you, but I I think this from my perspective. I think, and I hate to use these terms, but I have to generalize for the sake of this, because climate change and advocating for climate change is progressive, right? And a lot of the dialogue that surrounds progressive movements is really fucking annoying and shitty and toxic because you look at, well, we'll just go presidential, right? You look at how people talk about conservatives and Republicans and Donald Trump. That's why he got elected. I just saw this campaign ad. It was like, it was literally just a minute and a half of people mocking Donald Trump and his supporters. And at the end, it just said, they think you're a joke, prove them wrong in November. And that that's really effective. So I think there's there's, it's like, I'll get this back down to climate change, but politically, it's like, which one do I like hate less? Like these people just think I'm a fucking joke, right? So I'm going to go vote for this guy to like prove them wrong and make a statement. I think a lot of the similar stuff goes for climate change. Like it's very like, yes, I agree with you. You're right. But I don't like how you're talking about it. And I don't like Mm. the energy you give off when you talk about it. So I can't associate with it. It's like I agree with what you're saying, but I don't agree with how you're saying it. And how you say it's so important. Mm. So like when what's her name? Greta Thunberg or whatever. Thunberg, yeah. yeah. Can't stand her. Like horrendous. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Because the way she talks about it, I agree with what you're saying, but I yeah. can't get behind how you're saying it. So I think the way we talk about it is so exclusive and it is so kind of self absorbed in a weird sense. I think it mm. drives a lot of people away because everyone here cares about climate change. No one's stupid enough to be like, Yes, let's voluntarily destroy the earth. No, but I think the reason people push back on it is because there's something else going on. There's a there's a feeling of a personal attack. There's a feeling of mm-hmm. lack of understanding. And we're not we're not for people listening. I'm doing things with my hands. There's someone <laughs> on the right and there's someone on the left. And instead of building a middle, we're just dividing ourselves more by yeah. being climate change, climate change, climate change, deny climate change, deny climate change, deny climate change. So. I think in this conversation, we need to talk about it more, but we need to change how we're talking about it to build a middle, if that makes sense, so we can yeah. bridge the gap and include everyone in it. Um, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but... No, um, I think you yeah. you make a lot of sense because I'm looking at it... Because I, I look at it the same. I, I don't fully... Well, I, sh- I should say this. I understand why it's political because Everything it can be worked political. into politically. It has to be. But I think, kind of getting back to what you're saying about why people don't want to talk about it is because it's politics. Now, it's not what it should be. It's considered a ca- in a category now that really most people like yourself that are environmental activists, and I, I would even consider myself like I'm somewhere in the middle because I'm s- outdoors so much. I've spent so much of my life outdoors. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the outdoors. Most of my political you know, voting does come down to a lot of times what somebody's doing with the environment. I, I won't hide from that. But because I feel like I'm half-assing a lot of the time, so I'm kind of a half-ass when it comes to that. Um, but it is interesting that it's been pulled into this place of political tension where folks don't want to talk about it anymore. 
And I don't really know how you can get it out because the only other opposite way I can see it going and the way that it's going now is we were talking before the podcast about woke culture and how it's considered almost religious. And I thought that was really interesting that people get behind these things that they'll just push it, push it, push it without knowledge and just assume that this is right. And that's not saying that they're wrong. We do need to help out. But it's the folks that are so loud and that come at people so aggressively that it turns people off to conversations before they exactly. even start. And I wish that there was more people like yourself that want to sit down with folks that would rather develop a friendship because from friendship comes understanding. From understanding comes knowledge. I don't think knowledge develops understanding. I think it's the other way around. I think if Absolutely. you are able to engage with somebody and at least hold a conversation and say, like, see, I'm just a normal mm-hmm. guy like anyone else. I think the message comes through really strong. And I, I don't think there's as much talking as there could be. And I think you're absolutely right. It needs to happen more. I think that's the answer at the dinner table is when people are talking. It needs to be kind of like settle down. We're not talking politics. We're talking about penguins. We're talking about oceans. We're talking about trash. You know, even like getting into space. I, I know this is like I've been going on a space tangent. The ring of trash around yeah. like our atmosphere is insane. It's incredibly dangerous. And the speed that, think of this, think of a nail flying around like the Earth, right, in orbit. Astronauts have to worry about those because they're going about eight to ten times faster than a bullet. Mm -hmm. God, that's crazy. Like, it will eventually choke us up and it will impede our progress in a way like it has in outer space with the space station. You hear things getting, they're hitting the space station all the time, so... I'm kind of going on a tangent, I know, but no, no, that makes sense. We're here for. I, I think what you're saying and your question, I think you're you're absolutely right in you're answering your own question. I think it, I think Nate hit it on the nose with people who deny climate change or people who don't want to talk about it feel attacked. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they they hear the people who are the loudest and the most aggressive. They don't hear people who just want to have a conversation. Yeah. And so I think it's so important at a personal level to bring it at the conversation level and at the emotional relationship level, instead of it being like facts, 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 like yeah. you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. And yeah. That bull rush of just information without really knowing it, you're just kind of regurgitating what you've mm-hmm. heard really it, turns people off. It's definitely the responsibility of liberals and people who get behind climate change to know, accept that they don't know everything Yeah, mm-hmm. and that there is room for interpretation and there is room for discussion. It's not like, I'm going to gift you with my 100% pure knowledge and you're going to accept this. It's <laughs> oh, like, it's a trade-off. Enlightened. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's also kind of crazy. Um, I followed a gentleman. He just went on the Joe Rogan podcast, actually. Uh, his name is Daryl Davis. Oh yeah. And he converted 200 members of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Mm. I thought I know, I know that was about. brilliant. And his whole idea is like, you can't come at them like hard. You can't expect to change them overnight. It's sticking with them and being willing to kind of let yourself be vulnerable and open yourself up to what you believe and why you believe it. It's kind of what you're going back to. And I, I kind of want to elaborate on that because I think because his TED talk where he talks about like he he like it's it's just titled like I forget what it is. Like, why exactly, I jo- like, why as a black man, yeah. I attend Klan meetings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because it's this idea of listening to understand. And you don't change things like you're saying overnight. You don't be like. Hey, you, climate change, <laughs> unsustainable, like practices and business moves. And it's like, ah, oh, we're destroying our earth. It's like, no, you can't hit people with mm-hmm. that right straight from the get go. Yeah. You just have to sit down as a human being, as person to person and talk about it. Because I always think like 
People are like, oh, why, why, how can people deny climate change? The facts are all there. Well, if you've been working, you've been busting your ass your whole life in like blue collar, unsustainable, like energy, um, corporations and like things like that and that that sector right and you have a bunch of college kids and scientists yelling at you you're destroying the earth you're doing it wrong yeah. well of course you're gonna deny of course you're gonna push back not yeah. because the facts aren't there but because you're like fuck off privileged college kid from fucking edina you don't want to <laughs> listen to that and it makes sense to me because you don't want someone to come in from this kind of upper stratosphere and be like hey you what are you doing? You're destroying yeah. the country. You're destroying yeah. the world. You're horrible. And it's like, that's some of the dialogue that I think is implied mm-hmm. because it is so us versus them in a sense. It's like, it's like in revenge of the Sith. It's like, <laughs> you're either <laughs> with me or you're my enemy. And it's like, oh no, boy. that's not, that's, it's that going can't on a be Star Wars tangent again. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> but no. So I think, I think kind of listening to understanding and being like Henry and like, sitting down and <laughs> listening because my yeah. mom always says things start at the dinner table things yep. happen with family um so listening to understand and sitting down person to person is huge because we can't keep going on this us versus them yeah because we'll never do anything if yeah. we want to affect change we have to just have dialogue yeah. you don't develop that by just shouting at people and throwing facts in their face yeah. you know mm-hmm. so, yeah i totally agree yeah i think like what you're doing now I think is awesome I think you just kind of kind of keep at it in a weird way thanks man uh, yeah I know it, it's it's an uphill battle it seems it's so worth pointless because you're like I'm just having a talk with someone I'm just having a conversation yeah. like, what's what's gonna happen but this it's, is wait you go what's up, what's yeah, up? It's, it's hard <laughs> sometimes with issues like this that I'm pretty passionate about and yeah. it's not just climate change but when you get in a conversation with someone or an argument with someone and they're not giving at all they're like this is where I stand and like yeah. It's interesting it's, too. It's hard because you want to yeah. be like, okay, I, I don't agree with you, and like I want to almost tell you you're wrong, but you have to just let yeah. that be. I think. Yeah. Well, you're a stronger man than most because yeah, I think a lot of people would just give up, and that is a funny thing that people, especially at this age, I think. I think it's like now, and when you're like in the middle of your life, yeah, are like when you are the most, like this is who I am. There's no changing me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's tough to kind of like bridge the gap, Dude, that's especially so on campus. I bet you've come across people that like I'm just I, I know this from just having the show. Like I like to invite people that I don't know a lot or that I disagree with is a big part. Like I like to bring those people on and hear them. And there's really nothing behind it. It's it's kind of like putting up a sign like this is just what I know. This is how I'm going to act because I don't really know anything other than this. And I was one of those people too. So it is kind of interesting that people just, this is the way I am. I'm not going to yeah. change. And they don't realize like, oh, it's okay to kind of have self-reflectiveness when you're walking into a debate. Absolutely. It's okay to be that way. And it is interesting here on campus. I've seen that a lot. I'm, I know I'm like, that's interesting. That Like I'm just remembering times mm. now because I think on college campuses, that's just the way, that's status quo everywhere is people just believe what they believe and they're not really here to change. They're here to change yep. others, but not themselves. Going off of that, when are people in their lives most open to change? Oh, I'm going to say I, I have an idea. Let's go right now. What's up? I feel like either when you're at first adapting, like the transition from middle school to high school, because I feel like that's where most people do their uh, flips. Hmm. And I also think when you're starting as a young adult and you're about to become like, like that parenting age. Like mm. from around twenty five to about thirty five. Yeah, I think most people go through the dominant changes then. 
honestly, this is kind of <laughs> that's counter- a speculation. This is no, this is counterintuitive to what you said before, but I think coming into college and first year of college is huge. I think that's when we're so open potentially that first semester of college. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, just I being in a place fair. of higher education, a, a different, a totally different environment, not being with your parents, being able to make your own decisions. Um, Things like that. I think that's when people really get stuck in their ways, like we said. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you get the the staunch defender of said belief. Because you're like, oh, yeah. well, I learned this. This is law. And yeah. then, So those kind of absolute, like, I don't want to say beliefs, but those absolutes that people have. I think that's really well, brought in, in that first semester. Because you are yeah. so, like, vulnerable and you're learning so much new stuff. Um, yeah. It is funny because they are, like, like I said before, it's weird because it's almost religious. Yeah. Like there's mm-hmm. this faith in something like that cult. you don't fully understand. Dude, people are actually starting to call woke culture a cult. Yeah. Because it's taking on qualities like one where you just, there's no depth to the knowledge. It's just, this is what I know and we're just going to keep it's pushing like, it It's like, oh, further. they told me on the news. Yeah. Or believe it. It's or true. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There's not a lot of accountability for yourself yeah. and what and, you're doing. And there's, this is going to sound very strange, but there is a hierarchy in a weird way. Yeah. Because depending on you know, what type of culture you come from, what the color of your skin, your sex, all of this plays into kind of the level of voice that you should have. I yep. say should have in quotes because everyone can be attacked within it. Of course. But it, it is crazy. It's interesting to see it now. I'm reading into uh, the idea of woke cults currently because they're currently kind of turning inward on each other uh-huh. which is so strange is is a woke cult usually from the left politically or from yes. the okay. left it's very it's it's tricky to describe because we have a lot of poli- politicians especially now that are classic liberals or classic democrats and then there's the left which is like the woke group yeah and woke group is more like our age like i've i've got friends that are members of what they would describe themselves as a woke individual yeah and i've got to get them on i'd love to talk to them they're Mm -hmm. awesome they're nice people it's just um my favorite way of describing it this is when way back in america's history there was a church i believe in rhode island and there was it was 50 people and over the next three years after the this faith started it was like the purest puritans right purest puritans (laughs) They weren't pure enough, so they started turning on each other to kind of find a way to get up higher. Like, oh, I'm better than you, so that's how I know I'm doing this right. Mm. And by the end, it was just the founder and his wife. And what do you think happened? He divorced the wife. (laughs) It's almost like this really competitive form of Calvinism. It is. It's like, I will get to heaven. I will be the most pure. Yeah. And that's kind of what's going on sometimes in woke communities is what will happen is once they've kind of purged an area... They go after each other and more harshly than they do the public uh-huh. because it's in your own ranks. So there's an yeah. expectation to, if you are not helping me, we are going to cancel you and destroy you. And it's sad because these are people. You know, I see people. A lot of people see them as like what you were saying, like ignorance. Like I, I know there's people out there that come out too aggressive on debates or arguments, but at the same time, to me, I just I think they're people, and you see them go deep deep into this belief system and go all out believing in it and then it turns on them and they become the enemy of what they believed it's an it's mm. it's just crazy that's true but there's so many revenge of the sith things i could say you become uh, the very yeah. thing you swore to destroy let mm. me push this away <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I i think it's 
I think there's a lot to that. And I think that's a really problematic spot we're at, especially in our, in our discourse and how we go about dialogue because it is so absolute. It is so like, even you, you just talk about like kind of these cults and these cliques, um, within certain ideologies. And it's like going back to what we were kind of talking about, about, I agree with you, but I don't agree with how you're saying it. So how can I associate with you? Mm-hmm. Like, do Dude. I, am I going to vote for Donald Trump? No, but I also don't really associate with this really staunch progressive movement. So I'm like, yeah. where do I go when it comes time to like, I think there's a lot of people, yeah. I think a lot of Americans are really moderate, but it's a hard spot to go because you're like, well, I don't want to go here, but I don't want to go here either. Even though mm. I agree with one of these sides, I can't go either spot. And I think people at that point just stop being political. A lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. just like, I don't want to think about it. That's what I did. That's what I did my freshman year. I just dropped it all. Mm. And then I started realizing, like, I should at least know basic level stuff. Yeah. If I'm doing journalism. But but I think it's huge. Cause I think like, you're absolutely right. You look at, like, the like 2016, the election of Donald Trump and stuff. I don't think it's because, like, a lot of people say, people who are Trump supporters are, you're racist, sexist, bigot, misogynist. I don't buy that for a minute because it's not true. But also, like, I understand why. I see why that was the option. It's like, look at all these college kids and these progressives and these people living in the city telling me how to live my life. I'm busting mm-hmm. my ass in the middle of fucking Nebraska, like, farming. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Or like, You know what I mean? So it's like, there's just such a lack of understanding. And especially 2016 and how divisive and polarizing that was. There's just such a lack of understanding. Because if you're, if you're this... If you if you're if you're conservative, oh, you're racist. If you're if you're left, you're oh, look at this look at this snowflake communist. It's not a work for anything. You know, it's like neither of those are true. Yeah. But we have dri- we've been driven into our silos, so discourse is impossible. And the name calling doesn't help. The name exactly. calling doesn't because I've been pegged, you yeah. know, this or the other, and I'm yeah. I don't even know where I stand, like on mm. most things. It's I probably maybe more left. I don't really know. Well, it's like it's like this JFK quote. He's like, we shouldn't look for the Democratic or the Republican answer. We should just look for the right answer. Yeah, and now that's that's, that's almost impossible mm. because yeah. we are. You get the impeachment vote. Everyone's just gonna vote party lines, regardless. Dude. It doesn't matter. What's that that made me sad. It sucks. I'll be real. Was, let's let's talk moment. about it. Oh God. Yeah, can we go back from that? That's no, my yeah, question. Dude. Like, can we, after such a. Uh, Extreme. Oh, I thought you meant topic. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no, no. <laughs> we got to head out. Uh, we're done. No. <laughs> I want to s- go back to this penguin thing. <laughs> um, after such an extreme, like, partisanship that is our government right now, like, in the impeachment trial, pretty much all Republicans voted to acquit, pretty much all Democrats. I mean, you guys know this. Can we go back to a society, if it ever was there, that looks for the truth rather than what their party believes? <sighs> I always look back to that's like. A hard one. Also, shout out Mitt Romney though. Yeah, he, that's, dude, I got a that's crazy a story about Mitt that's Romney. That's gangster. Uh, we're gonna. Have, I'm a, We should tag that. I want to hear about the Mitt Romney story. You want to hear? But, this? Um, okay. Well, let me let it. me hit it. Let me hit you with something though, right quick. Go at it. Going back to something, um, Charles Sumter and Preston Brooks, right? Um, I forget which one was the Republican and the Democrat, but that that was the caning on the Senate floor back in the 1860s. Um, I forget which one was the Republican, which one was the Democrat, but. Um, the Republican, one of the two was advocating to, he was just criticizing the show of slavery and totally being a proponent of abolition. Um, cause this is when the Republicans were still like very mm-hmm. progressive. So he's like, no, we need to abolish slavery. We need to free the slaves, all that. And then you've got, um, the Republican of the two, I can't, or the Democrat of the two. I can't believe I don't remember which one is which, 
But he comes back, he canes the dude. He beats the shit out of him with I a cane. I remember this Whoa. on the floor. So yeah. he beats the shit out of him, right? He literally <laughs> takes his cane, boom, beats the hell out of this guy. And it's like, throughout American politics, I think we have been this polarized. But we haven't had the platform of social media mm. and like as much information as we have to really know it. So yeah. now we're just bombarded with federal polarization in the House and the Senate. And even though it might have always been like that, I think this exposure to it has permeated down to the people. Totally. So I think the biggest thing is not necessarily the government itself, but the fact that it is promulgated as it is. Yeah. Because um, we've always been at each other's throats, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I think I think there's always been this swing effect, though, in mm-hmm. the history of the United States. It's gone, and it's not perfect, you know. It's gone from really conservative to very progressive. Yeah, really conservative to really progressive. And... Uh, one of the guys I've had on the show, he's got a great line. It's not his, but, you know, strong man makes good times. Oh, good yeah. times makes weak man. Weak man makes hard times. Hard times make good men. Facts. Like, I think that's kind of the, the history of America. And I think that's mm-hmm. the same with politics Absolutely. in a weird way is that conservative times makes liberal people. Liberal people make liberal politics. Liberal politics makes conservative people. And it just keeps, it there's just, a cycle. It's a pendulum. It's so, always swinging back and forth. Yeah, I think there's always knowledge. unrest. But the thing that I'm seeing more now than I ever have, and this is strictly from a comm major, you know, Mm -hmm. studying comm, is how easy it is to be tribal and how easy it is to cut off sections and just say, this is what we believe. And if you don't believe this, you're sectioned out. Because I've been kicked out of groups for doing stuff like this, where we just have a conversation. It's like, why would you ever sit down with a conservative? Why would you ever sit down with a liberal? And then they kick you out of the group. Do you have any like stories that come to mind out of curiosity? Yeah, I'd love to know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a really good one. One of my favorites was, I, I'm not a, a very good practicing religious person. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that got my friends very, very upset because I went to a Catholic school is that I was fascinated with LGBTQ culture. Absolutely. I wanted to know, like, because I went to a heavy, heavy conservative school, and, and they never talked about it. They never mm-hmm. answered straight up to me. Um, so I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go do it. Mm. And that very much upset a lot of my friends. And probably the, the one I most commonly do is I don't drink. I don't like to drink. I'm not really a guy that likes to be drunk. I've never been drunk, never been buzzed, have no interest in doing it. Mm. I can't tell you how many times people have just stopped the conversation because they were so weirded out. That's by so weird to me. I've been walked out on. Yeah. Like I was standing at a party meeting these two guys. I still remember their names and they were just stopped the conversation and left. Wow. And I was just like, That's because so I weird. don't share that value of like getting absolutely twisted and wasted on the weekend. Bro, let's get blasted, I'm not, dude. yeah, <laughs> I'm not that, worth dude. your time. That's a simple yeah. one. But like coming from a Catholic school, studying LGBTQ, um, one, another one that I got uh, people upset about is I sat down and interviewed again. I came from a Catholic conservative school. I was one of their, I don't want to, I got awards. So they kept track of me in a weird way. Hmm. I sat down with like the polar opposite of me. And actually you can, there's a picture of her up there. Her name's Sarah and she's got pink hair in that boy. At the time she had purple hair and she's bi. And what happened was I sat down with her and she ended up becoming one of my best friends. And it's one of these people that could have been further from me. I was very like conservative minded when I left high school Hmm. and I was, I needed to be more self-reflective. I'm probably more liberal now just from what I've experienced, especially once I went like and did prisons. I went through prisons and met people and 
sitting down with people like Sarah because I just didn't know. And is it, you know, when you get that chance to sit down with people and explain and try to understand or try to build a friendship, you don't know what's going to happen. She's one of my best friends. And, uh, that definitely upset quite a bit of people. I yeah. lost touch with a lot of folks. It's funny when you're a certain age too, because parents are the ones that do it. Mm. I'm sorry. No, yeah, that chair is so, so loud. loud. It's I'm, fine. I apologize. It's like, <laughs> Lucas was on the last show and he goes, dude, adjusting. yeah, if it's uncomfortable too, you're welcome to like move Not around right. if you need to. Um, but no, it is always interesting. But going back to like online tribalism, it's rampant online. Yeah. And one another example of this is I love to analyze basketball. I love to analyze oh, basketball. Yeah. I love analyzing soccer. I'll, I'm trying to get into track a little bit. I oh, just boy. did a story on one of your teammates. Who? Tracy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gee, gangster. She's yeah. super cool. Yep. She's awesome and a monster in oh, the cross season. Absolutely. Um, but I d I'm doing these stories and... Fans, fanatics, if you're not in line with what they're saying or what they believe, you're, a, you know, you're the devil and yep. they come after you. So I wrote a, a short article on, I think I wrote it on the Timberwolves. I know I wrote it on the draft. That was my big thing is who the Timberwolves should draft. And I basically laid out my opinion. I said what I said. And I said at the very end, as a Timberwolves fan, I hope to see this. And that was kind of my closing thing. Yeah. Like, let all of this just be notion. This is my opinion. This comes from experience that I've had through playing and being around the franchise and just, you know, my basketball knowledge. And it's my own. So take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. And what I got back was just, how dare you say this? Like, why like, on earth would you? It, like, I'm trying to remember the draft. It's so weird. It was 20, it's like 2017. And I was basically saying something like, get more shooting. I got to pull it back up. But I remember getting emails where they just called me like a fucking joke. And like all that's this so stuff. Strange. Yeah, That's honestly <laughs> kind of funny. Like, yeah. how? I've, I've gotten I've gotten shit for doing this. Like, I've gotten really? people. Yeah, people have told me, like, just because you could talk doesn't mean you should have a podcast. People are going to blast me because I said, fuck Greta Thunberg. Now I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> she's. We all know that she's, personally, I kind of like her because I'm just amazed by her. Like, that her age, but I think meme culture has definitely destroyed her image. Bro, meme is oh, woke. so meme culture is the epitome of woke culture. Yeah. It's so weird. It's like the full opposite to me. Yeah. It's like people that can never take anything seriously at once. But at the same time, I like that there's a balance, you know? Oh, man, there's a balance. I don't know, man. Meme <laughs> culture, I feel like it's going to oh, destroy us all. <laughs> oh, I love meme culture. It's, it's yeah. kind of a good thing, but also like, oh, man, some people are just ingrained in it and like yeah. to them i attribute the fact that i'm really moderate to like memes that oh. sounds so stupid but that's like <laughs> that's facts like i i like mo like you don't moderate and <clears throat> as in oh and like politically oh god i'm what do you think i meant i thought you were like you know moderate oh, temper yeah, yeah like oh here's a guy sliding down a driveway watch him fall for seven seconds oh you no, know no. like bro but like Politically, I think I attribute memes to making me like moderate. That sounds so stupid. Uh, but where where did you used to lie along the spectrum? Maybe like before memes came I into your life. I used to be so. I used to be. I'd say I was pretty I that term. liberal. I was like I was pretty liberal. <laughs> then I came up here, and like I kind of had the I kind of had a boomerang effect because you go to college, you hear everyone's fucking like, oh, the liberals are in college. But like I feel like as I got up here, I became kind of, I don't know if the word would be more sympathetic, but I kind of understood the conservative point of view more and like a lot of like memes and like the weird like kind of 
pseudo cults I'm in online <laughs> uh, that I like browse through. It's like, dude, sign me up. It's it's way more conservative. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. And so like, there's some stupid like a meme about like I don't know. I I can't even think of anything off the top of my head. But there's some dumb meme about like the Second Amendment or something yeah. like that. Like like the the electric boogaloo. Like the the oh, God. you know you, what I'm talking you're, about. Like you're the, deep the in it. Civil War. I'm oh, in it. Yeah. But I was like, Jesus. I take this dumb shit with a grain of salt. I just watch people fall down. I will say though, my TikToks are horrific. I love horrific yeah. TikToks. Let me finish this point because it makes Please. you sound like a psycho. <laughs> but like, I, I think we're good there. Let's just leave you as a. No, I'm we're good. Yeah, I'm we're gonna close no. it now. No, <laughs> but like, so that sounds dumb. But I've always been like, okay, this is stupid, and it's just for jokes, and I'm just I get a laugh out of it. But I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Like, I can understand both of these points of views now, and like, it's not that I take these as like Bible, but I become like more understanding of kind of these people's opinions. Well, you just want exposure. Memes mm. are like. This oh God, I can't believe I'm analyzing memes. Nah, they man, like dude, no, this I, is great. No, I've written papers on memes, uh-oh, but like, uh-oh. like they're the, that influential. Currently. The way I see it is like those are how people feel. That's people's opinions. That's like it's like an essay in an image, in a sense. So I look at these things and I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I think about it more. I'm like, you know what? Like that guy feels that way. I'm like, that's yeah. interesting. Let's examine that thought or whatever. Yeah. And so I see that. I'm like, okay, like interesting. So it's not like I'm not like believing like mm-hmm. ah the Jewish the, the the Jewish ethno state and world control of like the media ah like none of that shit. And, like, I'll, I'll be real though, I feel like memes are so accessible and initially you're not going to take them seriously. The most extreme yeah. memes. Yeah. I can't believe I'm, I'm saying talking about memes like this. But Dude, welcome to the Griffin podcast. As, <laughs> as you keep going, as the months and years go by, I think. It can oh, change your taste and opinions yeah. more and more without you even realizing it yeah. until all of a sudden you find yourself at this point where it's like, whoa, I have pretty extreme yeah. values and views from just online communities and meme culture. I think and that's absolutely I'm true. I'm not saying memes are wrong. Like, honestly, in some ways, they're great because they let people <laughs> experience new views like really quickly and yeah. very accessible. But it, it is kind of interesting that a lot of memes are conservative minded. Yeah, I never thought especially of Especially if you really go into like kind of the 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 deep like the deeper communities of it yeah it's very conservative which i think is really fascinating yeah here's where we get into strange stuff but like but like i said like these <laughs> these crazy things like ah uh, the jewish ethno state of the american media and we're going to like destroy the u.s government like okay those are like all right what are you talking about but it's like i think like you have to take everything with a grain of salt but yeah. it's just like interesting because like i think our, our mainstream media is very like the bias towards the like the left i think it's kind of cool to find these kind of online places where it's very conservative sometimes to a fault but like yeah no they're just funny and people who post memes are low-key like you have to be kind of smart it's kind of you do i don't know i don't know i'm I'm making myself look so stupid but this is fascinating to us no you're fine i'm one of my buddies uh he's been on the show before dan he's gonna be one of his teammates uh, on the wrestling team, I think makes Star Wars memes on Reddit, and he's got a mass following. Hell yeah! I'd kind of like to see what would happen if I got him on to talk about it. But at the same time, they're very private about yeah. their stuff, which mm-hmm. I understand. But it's funny you say that because I was the opposite. I kind of like went from very conservative minded to being a little more moderate in the middle and trying to understand both sides. And so, I, no, it is kind of interesting yeah. the way people are impacted. And I think what you said is absolutely true about being they can bring you to extremities and like i think with me like i'm still i still think i'm pretty 
like progressive. Like I still I'm moderate, but I think I lean slightly. I lean yeah. more progressive, but I've yeah. become more understanding of mm-hmm. these other opinions mm-hmm. through just being exposed to these kind of these stupid yeah. memes. It's hard. It's hard. It's yeah. confusing times. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe for you like you've had like the the liberal side of things and I feel like your political views I, I don't want to speak for you but they were you, you you knew quite a bit before going into it maybe yeah and so you have a lot to compare meme exactly. culture to whereas someone who like never involved in politics before gets into memes <laughs> it sounds like a gateway <laughs> drug or something I, I dabbled like, in memes I, dabbled in memes. I don't know man I don't know I'm, I'm done I, no, I but, no but that's facts though because I'm not like with with how I, at least my my experience of the meme culture and, and my exposure to memes. No, but, like, I don't go into it like I don't know anything. I'm this blank slate, tabula rasa, and I'm like, oh, look, I'm, <laughs> I've been indoctrinated with ultra-conservative militia memes. And it's like, no, but it's like I, what a reference. I'd like to think I know, right? I'd like to think I'm smart enough and have enough experience with other opinions and things and views that I can look at these like mm-hmm. these other images and not be like totally like ah <laughs> uh, yes dethrone <laughs> the United States government and destroy like uh, the government officials of the United States like no I'm not there mm. but it's like um to to like to just be able to look at it and not like totally be swayed by it but just to be exposed to it yeah it's really interesting plus a lot of them are just kind of fucking fucking like, <laughs> stupid and funny and shit so it's fun yeah and sometimes it's just a lamp and a moth. Sometimes it's mm. literally just like it's like it's like just it's like an image of like chocolate milk and it's got like yeah. yo guys can you hold my chocolate milk and that's oh the meme God. and it's yeah. fucking hilarious. I, <laughs> it's like I don't even know I don't even know. But ben, I, I want to hear your Mitt Romney story. Yeah, uh, just oh. we'll close on memes. No, memes. Fun fact good. about uh, Mitt Life Romney. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. Let's close off with Mitt. Um, so Mitt Romney's father tried to run for president. But do you guys, do you want to try to guess why he couldn't run for president? Because Mitt Romney's father was born Mexican. He was a Mexican immigrant. No shit. No yes. way. When the Mormons made it to Salt Lake City and started their polygamy, and the laws started to kind of want to push that away, and finally polygamy was outright banned, they moved to Mexico. Because again, at the time, there wasn't really border patrol. All you got to do is jump on your horse and yeah. go. And they settled in northern Mexico in a compound that is still there to this day and engages with the cartels, and they are heavily armed. Whoa. They are considered a small... Quotations, because I'm getting this from somebody else, and I'm not totally sure of their stature, but they're considered a small arms militia. Like, they've got enough ammunition and guns there to protect themselves, and they're almost like an individual state. All Mormon. And Mitt Romney's father was born there. And that's so when Mitt's father was born, he was like, we got to go back to America because they kept getting into fights with a lot of the Mexican people just around. Mm -hmm. And then cartels started growing. Obviously, they weren't at the max that they are now. I believe there's nine cartels in Mexico last I looked eight or nine, but they're getting into scraps of them all the time. So Mitt's dad boots it, goes to uh, back to America, falls in love with it, goes to Utah, does the whole thing, realizes he can't run for president because he wasn't born here. So his son ends up kind of inheriting that's that cool. dream, and that's hmm. one of the big reasons Mitt ran. And it's one of those weird things that is still around today that no one seems to really know about is there's a armed 
Mormon state in Mexico. And it's related to Mitt Romney somehow. Yeah, and there it's Mitt's go. family. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy That's that that is actually around. I've looked up pictures of it, too. It's like, wow, okay, this is something. <laughs> like, Dang. I would love to visit there. I But add it to the list of crazy things I would like yeah. to do. I think going back to Mitt Romney, it's it blows my mind that he was our 2012 um, Republican candidate, and now he's the sole dissenter in the Republican Party when yeah. it came to impeaching Trump. Like, that's how far yeah. we've come. Like, he, yeah. he was the face of the Republican Party eight years ago, and now he is the complete opposite. Like, that's how far things Yeah, he's just yeah. been ostracized, which I think is so shitty because, okay, this is a political absolute, but we're on the Ben Griffin podcast, so we're vibing. Can I say this? I, I'm, it's your show. <laughs> I guess so. Uh-oh. In my opinion... Regardless of how you stand politically, what Donald Trump did was impeachable. Like it, it was an abuse yeah. of power. Period. Yeah. Like regardless of how you stand, I think that should be. I was I shocked by the transcripts. Like yeah. I read them. So I, I look at someone like Mitt Romney, and I look at something that, in my opinion at least, is so like such a definite like, that's impeachable. That's removable from office. That's like that offense. It it just I, I was shocked that so many Republicans still like. Kind of stayed in that lane because well, again, it's you tribal know there's thinking. more people who agree. Like there's people who agree with Mitt Romney. Like you yeah. talked about in his speech, oh, yeah. I'm not the only one. But he's like, I just. So I just think it's so interesting how party lines divided we are. You know. Yeah, it's not even debate and parties. It's tribes. It's it not really necessarily is. though. Like everyone's on the same page. Like you said, Nate. No. I think there's just a fear of being the one to center because I'm sure Mitt Romney is going to get a ton of crap. That's career suicide. He's, yeah, though. he's he's yeah. done. And like. Everyone else is probably afraid of the same thing. But yeah. I guess the beauty of being a rebel in that way is if more people, if you had like 10 Republicans, 15 Republicans who said no, um, I think it would have been better off for Mitt and for all of them if there were more. So I, I feel kind of bad for him in that sense. I agree. He's yeah. the one dude. I mean, someone's got to do it, though. It, it doesn't start it's, it doesn't start out of nowhere. Someone's yep. got to do it. Yeah. Well, you change know? doesn't happen from the people that go with the group. Exactly. You know, what's that great? Is it? G.K. Chesterton says, "Dead things go with the stream; only living things go against it." I guess so. It's that idea—that's a good that's quote. Cool. Yeah, it's this idea that you just can't go with everyone else; otherwise, what's yeah. living about? And so. I just think, like, what 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 he <laughs> did. makes it sound like I'm trying to start a fight. I know, I swear. <laughs> no, but I think what he did and how he spoke on it—I think that is so, like, impactful and so powerful. Like he talks about like in his speech about it, he'll kind of get like forgotten like this is, but it's like right in my heart. Yeah. But I think, I don't think he is going to get forgotten. I think this is something that when we talk about the 2016 election and the presidency of Donald Trump, I think this is a huge part of it. Cause this impeachment is, it was huge. Yeah. And I think what he did is, isn't something people are going to forget. So I just think it's, I think he, he, he ought to get the credit he deserves. And I think he will in due time. But I think regardless of, if someone being impeached was Democratic or Republican, I think someone standing up for the integrity of our country in the United States and what it's founded on, I think is really, really gangster. And I think that's really <laughs> like respectable and gangster moment. I don't think you should be ostracized for it. He will no. be, but I think there's a lot of respect yeah. that goes with that. Yeah. Um, I was blown away by his speech. Yeah. Like, like you said, that one part where he says, we're all going to be forgotten in the annals of history. Like we won't even be a footnote. And that, that blew me away. And I know, I don't know, just just to think like all these people who feel like what they're doing is, I don't know, it kind of breaks my heart. People think yeah. like 
they can go along with party lines and that they're going to be, you know, some big change maker. And really it's yeah, just a machine that kind of wastes their is, potential is. and talent. But like, yeah. I, I don't know, like people feel like their names are going to be discredited or they feel like they're going to be remembered really poorly if they decide to go against the party. But ultimately everyone is forgotten. Ultimately, like in four years, no one's going to remember them. And so mm-hmm. I think the challenge to do the right thing is what's so much more important. Cause that actually makes lasting change. Yeah. That's the guy we're going to remember. You know, this whole impeachment will be in the history books and will be all that. And everyone who voted will be, it'll be whatever. But then Mitt Romney is a huge, regardless of what he says, there's a big asterisk by this impeachment with his name attached to it because yeah. of what he did. I wonder just kind of changing gears here. Mm-hmm. I think about this a lot, especially when I'm studying media or, you know, doing podcasts and whatever that, how do I first describe this? I guess we're kind of leaving history. Like everyone's written something down or had some sort of drawings. Like how are we going to be remembered 20 years from now? Basically is the question. Cause we, we've left all of our information, fingerprints, everything, every little nook and cranny, the way other generations just couldn't have the amount of stuff we put out daily, the amount of stuff, like just think of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like I'm Joe Schmo from nowhere. And even I've got a podcast. Like it's it's not hard to get platforms to start yep. reminding ourselves of history, and somebody finds us twenty years from now and it's like, oh, I barely remember that, or oh, that was a changing moment. Like, how do you guys think people are gonna look back at this, especially with all the content that they have, all the access they have? Is this is this a turning point, or is this kind of a an annoyance in history? I think you gotta take this one, Henry. Nah, man, you take it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, we're we freestyling right now. Well, I'm just like, no, I, I, yeah, I'm wondering if it's a great question. I'm yeah. trying to. It's process. really weird because yeah. to, to think about how your own existence will be remembered by generations past is or coming is well, yeah. weird. And let's just take it in like parts. Like, do you think the way like the way we've been talking is there's a I, I'm sensing a common core feeling of annoyance in the fact in that we cannot talk to each we other. Can't have dialogue. Mm-hmm. That we can't have dialogue. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter. We are all on a different page. But at least we can have dialogue is is something that can make a difference. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's so much tribalism and there's so much group think right now and kind of this virtue signaling and regurgitation of information, it becomes annoying. It's hard to have conversations like you were saying, Henry, is like, well, if I can't engage with you because you're just going to stand there and be like, I'm right and I'm not listening to you. It's annoying. Going back to your question, though, in regards to mass information and history yeah. you know 20 years from now like think yeah. about how many podcasts come out every day oh lord yeah it's insane we'll be buried Small fish <laughs> <in a> big <laughs> pond. it creates this atmosphere of self-importance i believe yeah. this idea that i i am going to be remembered and like mm-hmm. I, I don't know like like look think about how often people look at themselves on snapchat how often people look at themselves in videos and like there's this constant image of like People see me. I am being seen. But the thing is, since everyone wants to be seen, no one's looking. Yeah. No one's looking at what other people are really doing, I feel. Oh. And no one really cares. And yeah. especially 20 years from now, very, very few people are going to care what the average Joe did. And yeah. even though there's so much information out there, it's yeah. not going to ever be looked at. So this, what, oh, this, this is interesting because I think right now the people have platform. You don't have to be some some famous 
athletes some politicians some actor actress singer artist you don't have to be like an elite quote unquote to be like really remembered anymore because we can all have this platform so i like a snapchat memories is kind of a an amusing example like it's like oh three years ago oh man like junior high school oh what a feel bad <laughs> but then like what happens if we, what, like what happens when we're 50 are we still going to be in our snap groups and on insta and then like oh dang it's like, like that Xbox Live ago, account. Me and, me, yeah. and, me and the boys, like, oh, there we go. What a night. Saturdays in, like, November in college. You know, but is that going to happen? Are we still going to be on our social media platforms when we're, like, 60, 70 years old and being seeing these memories from, like, 30-plus years ago? And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an individual history that's going to happen to us that I don't think we're thinking about. Because Snapchat and social media is such a short life right now. It's, I mean, we've... Instagrams that came out in like it's not even it's almost ten years old. Dude, that's, I just got a new young. platform for the show. Really? What'd yeah, Minds. New that? platform. It came out a couple years ago. It's like Twitter with intellectual there you go. focus. Hmm. It's kind of cool. I like, I like that. it. That's cool. But exactly, like, there's always a thing coming on. What are we gonna be on years from now? Are we still gonna be on social media? Or what's new? What are our kids gonna be on? What are yeah. our kids gonna listen to for music? Like when Travis Scott's like classic, like the classics on like the radio. That's weird Whoa. to think about. Yeah. And like. One thing I think, I there's a speech called the Coatesville Address. It was given in 1912. It was, oh, I forget what it was, but it was commemorating some, I think it was commemorating a lynching and like condemning it, but mm-hmm. it was a really small audience. Like there wasn't more than like 50 people there, really small audience, but it's a really important speech. But I think there's this idea attached with things are important if a lot of people listen to them. Not necessarily true. What we're doing now is important. We're having dialogue and we're just talking. That's really important, and that's historic in a sense. Everything that people are doing is historic. So even though there's not an audience, these things are important. And right now, how history can be recorded, we can have a record of these small moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really huge for um, going forward because we don't see, oh, look, the I Have a Dream speech, the Gettysburg Address. We don't only see those. We see stuff like this too, potentially. Yeah. Potentially. And I think that's huge. Yeah. That's just a possibility. So I just I think, think going you know. back to what you said too is really interesting. That because everyone's looking at themselves, there's just not going to be time to look back at what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think this will be one of those decades that kind of is, in a weird way, it's kind of making me think that it might be just phased out. It was just so much crazy, so much happening from 2010 to 2020. Yeah. Man, dude, a lot God, changed. A that lot time. changed. Whoa, dude! Barack Obama was in his first term in 2010. Yeah, dude. We were. In, it's so we weird. Were, I was in middle school. Yeah, I was still. I it was my first year of middle school. I was in like second grade. Wow, I'm old. Oh, what? How old are you? Second grade. I'm 22. I was eight in 2008. Oh, I'm talking 2010. No, 2010. Oh, oh. I'm saying then. 10. <laughs> Started the decade. I was. Damn. Yeah, I was a lot older than you. Two years early. <laughs> no, oh. I was like, wait. <laughs> I I forget you 2000ers are so easy to figure out your age, yeah. Wait, are you 2000s kid? Yeah, I'm 2000. Let's go. Yeah. Ah. Are you 1998? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm right oh, at the beginning. I, beginning okay. of 88. <laughs> I was you're, right you're there. not a 90s kid. I'm you, sorry. No, I agree no, with Henry. I'm not. <laughs> oh, I was born when, in the 90s. When does the millennial <laughs> thing start? It's kids that grew up in the 90s. I thought 96 was, was like the when cutoff? Gen Z started. Or 95, like mid 90s. We're not millennials. We're none of us are millennials. Yeah, yeah. you got to be like twenty eight yes. to be a millennial. Yeah. I feel like or not uh, old, older, almost there. Oh, well, isn't that weird though? Wait, no, you're gonna say something. I was gonna have a question. What's up? What's up? Shoot. Do you think technologically, <laughs> this is kind of like whoa, where are we going? But thinking about history and like Welcome social to the ben Griffin podcast, <laughs> social media. Um, 
how much has changed in the past 10 years is our technological advancement and maybe specifically in regards to like news and communication and like how plugged in we are is that just going to increase exponentially indefinitely or is it are we going to go off a cliff soon uh what i'll say is this i think with technology i think it's going to be taken into the hands of the private citizen yep i think rather than get these big companies like apple and microsoft that are kind of taking over i guess amazon will still be the one because jeff bezos has his group I mean, they just got the Apollo 11 boosters out of the ocean because Jeff Bezos was like, I'll pay for it. Well, That's let's go so get that. That's so strange. So I think Elon, Musk's, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and kind of the drive they have to succeed, I really like what Elon's doing, especially with his SpaceX program. They've never really been able to keep up with what they've been saying, but they've got incredible stuff that they're not fully showing off yet. Um but, I mean, Elon believes he, he'll die on Mars. Elon truly believes he will die on Mars. And not uncomfortably. Like, That's we'll cool. be able to get there. He'll have food. They'll be able to kind of start a colony, and he'll be able to pass in peace. Like, that is that is a, a full belief. And I don't want to be like, ah, you're crazy. But the journey takes three years. I think that's the place that's going to be jumping in the next ten years is yeah. – We've got all of this incredible technology. Communication has never been easier. Now that communication is easier, are we going to actually improve our means of living? And we're going to kind of jump from once we get back from living, then we're going to go back to technology. I think it's all going to be interwoven. But I mean, I just saw a rocket take off. It went straight up into the air, hovered, and then landed on its tail fins. Can you imagine getting on a rocket and just... Going up just high enough, not into space, but just into the atmosphere high enough where you're in the air for maybe three to four minutes and you're crossing oceans. It's just... That's insane. I think that's what's going to happen with technology is I think travel is going to become... is going to be pushed. I think space is going to start becoming more of a, a focal point because of the way... Like, we're getting back to the beginning. We're wasting so much. They've been looking at asteroids and mining asteroids for years I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to go out and try that, to try to go beyond Mars to the asteroid belt. I I, I don't that's know. I, at least that's the sense I'm getting right now, but I'm reading all of like the scientific journals and hearing mm. about that type of technology. But I think a lot of what's going to happen is kind of, again, going back to Musk, who was on JRE, you're already a cyborg. you got your phone. you just got really crappy processing. If I ask Nate to look something up and he types it away... He's basically a cyborg. He's looking up stuff. He's integrated with the technology. I think that's only going to get less and less, yeah. like, you're going to become one with it. I wouldn't be surprised if we have chips. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. But I don't know. It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. I, I really, the thing I'm looking forward to the most, I don't, you guys can say this, though, is um, the automated transportation. I think we're, yeah. at our lifetime, we'll see drivers disappear. I would agree and I would look forward to that greatly. Although I think there will always be an option for a driver. I would knowing love to. I love US. driving. I think that can that's going to create so much problems, though. How Economically. So? We're going to lose so many jobs yeah. that way. That's but true. It's also that's the same idea. Is, like, Innovation always yeah. happens like but that. I, I understand that. I think it's true that we've got more people now than we ever have. But at the same time, it's like the Iceman. 
that used to be a job is that she took yeah. care of ice. You deliver milk. That's yeah, the, delivered milk. There's always there will always be a place, and yeah. technology will always kind of displace people. And I I mean I'm trying to hop in like a car and just kind of vibe and on my way to CSV just <laughs> oh, do nothing. Read, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Re- get that class reading done like five minutes before. Oh, dude, don't but, um, even start. But no, it's it's just there's always I think it's interesting how there's always there's always a flip side. There's always like incredible innovation oh but what's this going to do for this job market there's yeah. always kind of a flip side to everything what is that yeah. isaac newton or something equal and opposite reactions yeah I don't that's know a law of physics i think so, that's the first law of physics is for every uh, the action there's an equal and opposite knowledge. reaction hmm. yeah i think that i think that applies to everything in life um there's always an opposite politically even like going back to kind of this yeah thread, there's always the opposite opinion, I, i'm so. impressed boys we're on theme i know we're we have theme. a common thread this we have is a thread dialogue <laughs> Oh, okay, here's a dialogue story. Um, so, um, no, this is this is cool. This is yeah, cool yeah. actually. Um, so, you guys, you you do you guys know Eric Putnam? Yeah, it, heard the know, name. Yeah, he's, he's a professor a, at SJU. Yeah, he's a calm guy. Um, okay, he's yeah. genius. He's he's running for state senate in District 14. Um, and he's he's just incredible because he's so focused on people. Not just getting people to vote for him this one election. Oh, here's a group of people who can vote for me. Great, I'm in office and whatever. He's so his energy is just so authentic and genuine. And a story he shared with us, um, it was he went and he was door knocking. He, was, he went to this lady and she was super super. I don't want to say conservative, but she was super not like democratic. And he's running under the uh, Democratic Party, the DFL. And he talked to this lady, and she was like, she wouldn't open his door for him, and she was like speaking through this little crack as she cracked the door, and she's like, "Ah, oh, but like ugh, the Somalis, I just can't stand the Somalis in Saint Cabo." Oh, awesome. really? Yeah. So wow. she's got some like pretty like jank views, you know. That's yeah. not something to mess around with. And so he was talking to her about it, and she was just like, she was just talking. They're going, they're talking. He talked to her for like an hour and a half, and by the end of the conversation, she like, I mean, she had the door open. They were talking and. She had a yard sign for him at the end of the conversation. And she was a, a quote unquote Republican. And I think that's just a really, and he wasn't, she was, she was just frustrated about the lack of authenticity that mm. was going on. Um, yeah. And, and she feel like her voice wasn't heard and all that. And by just having a, a talk, like just talking with someone, she was really swayed one way just because someone actually listened to her. So. Yeah. As we've kind of gone on this common thread of dialogue, I just think that can be so so powerful. Well, that's what it's about. That's mm-hmm. the big thing. That's just how it is. Caring about people, not yeah. just numbers, but actually caring about people. So I just, I was just thinking about that this whole time. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. You don't always have to be right. You just got to go out with the best intentions. Exactly. Want to help people. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. All right. Like, we're just, this gets super kind of corny and cheesy and metaphysical, but we're all just on this rock trying to do our best. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like we're all just trying to figure it out, and <laughs> I think realizing that we're kind of all in this together mm-hmm. um, is really important. So even going back to climate change, like this is our home, this is our place. Yeah. Let's let's be able to come together to actually defend it and to make it better and to improve on what we have instead mm-hmm. of just infighting and being in each other's throats over some dumb stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, this is just this is cool. I like this common thread we're going on right now because yeah. it's so applicable to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to just like. No, I'm impressed, boys. I'm impressed. Usually when Nate Dog's on, last time Nate Dog was on, he oh goes, <laughs> we were talking to Visco, and then he goes, hey, you want to hear the one time I almost died? I was like, what? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I almost died this one time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. He caught me so by surprise. Yeah, I was, I was on one last time. I can't lie. I tried to sound really smart, and I was like, what I don't I know why I'm you ever would, because you're talking to me, and I'm 
no certified idiot no this this self-deprecation humor is so stale it's so dry man (laughs) i'm sick of this you're fucking smart stop it you say that and then you walk into my trap uh (laughs) enter the cult of ben dude I, I may start one. I, I, <laughs> I've, I've gone way too deep with this sometimes. Like, there's stuff that I've gone into. Like, I've, I've been to prison. Like, I wasn't you, deep. Have you, like, been arrested? No, I was oh, there studying. When you said that, I was like, what's a story? Yeah. No, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I didn't tell you this. No, I've been know. to prison. Just drops that, moves on. <laughs> All right, guys. I so, one time I was in prison. Okay. We're going to take I this on. I we talked about dialogue. this before the show. Oh, sorry. Um, you just no, I, I did a paper when I was at UW-Superior. And Superior's got a lot of problems with heroin and speed. And one of the really? big problems in Duluth in general, <laughs> that whole area is having a big problems with drugs, mm-hmm. homelessness, poverty. Yeah. So crime and usage is going up. And one of the big way- things that's happening is a lot of kids are going to juvenile. Yeah. And so I went and I decided I was a part of um, a criminal justice course. And they said, do you would you be interested in doing this study? You'll go in, you'll report what you find and blah, blah, blah. And it's really cool. And because I was one of the only guys, they said, you're going to go to a male side of the juvenile hall. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll do it. So I kind of went alone. I went in for maybe an hour or two with my class. And then I just stayed there all day. And it's the largest open prison. It's Arrowhead Penitentiary. And what that means is when you walk in, it's like a normal prison. You have your, your main door, you're buzzed in. You walk in, then you buzz through second door once you pass the warden's office, and that's the booking room where they pull in with cars if you're arrested, and you go through that. You have your isolation zones if they're coming in with some sort of on a high or they're medicated or they're just not cooperating. You buzz through a third door. You walk down a hallway, and that's the school. And then at the end of the hallway, there's two doors, like a Y. To the right is the boys, and to the left, it's the girls. And then once you're through that door, everything is open. So... When the cells open at 7, the cells are open all day. That's cool. The mess hall's open. There's no walls. You can see everyone in the mess hall. Can boys and girls intermingle? No. Okay. Because the girls are too violent at this one. At least that that was what I was told at the time. Um, I got lucky working in the guys because apparently the girls are worse, which is kind of weird because they're mm. considered men's prisons are really bad and women's prisons are bad, but they're not as bad. Yeah. It's kind of reversed in juvenile, at least from my experience. And it's all the Visco girls. Oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, that was really insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to do that where I was going to post my own Visco white girl account. There we go. And I was going to be the white girl. But no, I, I just hung out there. You could play basketball. There was an art area. Um, the security office was right there. So they have like a glass tube like they sit in so they can just look and see you. Um, I think the only door in the open area was they had a shower room that they opened for an hour. And there'd just be somebody in there. But yeah, these kids would go to school. They'd go to the mess hall. They'd do their thing. And there were 16 of them. And they were some of the... Only 16 boys? Yeah, only 16 boys. Okay. So it was a manageable group. Like, I learned a couple names and stuff. Cool. But my big thing was... I basically did this. I talked to them. I tried to learn a little bit about them. I learned who they were. Um, And I just remember it was kind of like sad. You know, yeah. I was sad because a lot of these kids are like 14, 15, 16 years old and their parents are just abusive and yeah. all of this horrible stuff I won't go into. But, um, yeah, I was in there and then I went back and I went into the girls side of the prison because they have uh, these cells that the girls can. They Basically, they let me stay in a cell for like two to three hours and I just like sat there and read and I was bored out of my mind. 
but that was a good experience. And then I interviewed um, two level three criminals, so a sex offender and a domestic violence guy, mm-hmm. who were coming out of prison, and they were sentences more than like eight years. Something it was a certain year. It's been a while, but so my whole angle on that was, what is it like to go to prison and come out and, you know, your iPhone three has like 56 updates, you know, like these guys have been away for so long and technology has passed them up and they barely can get a place to live. And now they don't even know how to access all of the different websites and opportunities that they could use to get a job. So I did this full report on those kind of three topics, isolation, um, kids in prison and reentry of prisoners. And so I spent a lot of time in incarceration areas and holding cells with people just to get to know them. And it, again, it was just like pure curiosity. I was like, I, I'll do it. What the hell? You know, you might as well take the risk and you might, you may learn something. And I did. I, I learned a lot. And it definitely gives you a perspective of humanity a little bit. It, if we want to get a little cheesy here, but mm. I definitely saw my, like, uh, my perspective of people had changed very much, especially people in poor living situations like yeah. like Superior, which has a huge heroin problem, and the kids that are living there. Um, but yeah, that was that was a cool experience. I was trying to find the paper actually last night, uh, but I can't find it for some reason. I got to get that thing. It was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, but I presented it to the psych board and the criminal justice board. Nice. Did pretty good. Had yeah. a lot of fun. Uh my professor was really nice so yeah cool. it was i went to prison that was ben's trip to prison that's cool no that's yeah. <laughs> there's but, a lot of people who have not been to prison i think that's yeah so cool because i don't know we all have this idea of who prisoners are and what they must have done to get there but very rarely do we actually interact yeah um with people in that setting so thanks for sharing yeah yeah well, that's really cool and it's just important cuz that there's just such an assumption about if you are this, that means you are that, you know, we have just such a blanket assumption of what a prisoner is, why people like of of felons and criminals. And like at the end of the day, like, I mean, like we're saying it's, it's people, you know, there's a lot of humanity. And, um, I knew a guy who was in uh, federal for five years, I think. And you just hear about the stuff that goes on. You're just like, it's just so dehumanizing. Yeah. And it's like, I'd like to think we're better than that, you know? Yeah. So it's getting in there and kind of, understanding it it's really important work because that's such an underrepresented group in so many ways um no it it is crazy i went to uh shakopee has a really really awesome system it's called drug court and you can go in there just because you know it's a courtroom it's public space and i sat in there once i heard about it and i I can't remember the judge i didn't expect to talk too deeply about this but i can't remember the judge i just remember his first name was like greg very nice guy Drove a Harley, you know, Hell never yeah. expect this judge. He has tattoos and everything. That's Look, cool. Looked like Dog the Bounty Hunter if Dog <laughs> the Bounty Hunter was a judge, you know. Just really nice guy, kind of down to earth. And uh, had at one point been incarcerated. I think he went to law school and turned it around. And That's he awesome. was, his program was, I'm going to basically bring these people in and kind of have group therapy. And it was called this drug court. It was a weird situation. And he had about 20 people there that all suffered from different things, men, women, and the women's prison is in Shakopee. So there were a lot of female criminals there who were, like, dressed in the blacks, you know. Excuse me. There you go. Um, But he basically gave them a turn each to come up in front of him 
and they just talked about what their big situation was, and he was blatantly honest. Like one of the guys uh, worked for a sortation group, um, sh- sorting packages, and he had a real big problem with meth. And he, I'll never forget, he just kind of was like, listen, man, you're either going to have to figure out which is more desirable for you. Do you desire meth and living, you know, this kind of hopscotch lifestyle? Or do you want your family? Do you want the love? And do you want the support? And he just goes, most people will choose the meth. And that was the first time I'd ever heard, like, that answer of, this is this this is the path that most people take. Yeah, just being and, up. you know, to be that harsh and say, like, statistically, you're probably going to choose the meth. And this guy was like, I, I can't. And he said, come back next week, talk to me in my office, and we'll just keep working with you. And we'll try to make you the best out of it. Um, I saw one kid go up and he was no older than me. He was maybe 22, 23. And he was just having problems. He was a theft with theft. He would just steal stuff. And his sentence was he had to work on his grandmother's farm (laughs) and he apparently wasn't doing a very good job. So he asked for the family to come in and he had the family sit in the front row and in front of all of the guys on that like the the bench that we're sitting with him because he's now starting to know him. He's been there a while. Mm-hmm. He's having problems with weed possession and all this minor stuff and theft. He's just not taking the proper steps. He has to apologize to his family. But on top of that, he has to turn and apologize to all of those prisoners, which was, I believe, was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Because not only does he have a responsibility to, to fix his life and get back in line for his family... But first, community, too. And these are the real people that you have to remind yourself of why we walk the straight and narrow is because we need to help the people that can't, too, and the people that depend on us. And he had to turn and apologize to these 20-plus people that have made bigger mistakes than him and apologize and kind of hold this value of, you know what, I am a member of this community, and I have a part to play. And even for the lowdowns that many people would consider to be, you know, know, whatever you want to fill in there, they're just as important a part of the community as anyone else, and they deserve as much of an apology for your mistakes, even though they've made them. So that was a really amazing moment to see, and I'm hoping they're still doing it. But, yeah, yeah it was incredible. Like, that whole experience in criminal justice and law was awesome. Funny, Fun fact, I really wanted to work for the FBI for a while. Really? Yeah, really wanted to. I was always comfortable with crime scenes and stuff. Interesting. That criminal justice course, they brought in crime scene photos after the cases had been closed. No way. And let us see. That's really cool. Yeah, one of the cases was a woman, they thought she was, like, raped and killed or suffocated. Turns out she had, like, this crazy rare um, brain disease where the oxygen was starting to close down and her brain changed colors and it started to turn green. So her vision started to narrow and she could see less and less and less. And so her life towards the end of, towards the end, she was bumping into shit, knocking stuff all around. Her house was a disaster. She couldn't get in and out of bed. Her like The skin that she had bruised really easily because the oxygenation and the wow. blood wasn't happening. Yeah. So it looked like a rape and a strangulation case, and it wasn't. Um, wow. And the sun broke in through like the front door, and the door had just been broken. So the cops found this crime scene, and everything pointed to this specific case. It turned out to be completely different. So we got over a week, we walked through every day 
or every other day, you know, because of class, uh, college yeah. classes. And this officer would come in, a detective, and he would throw these pictures up on the whiteboard. And we would be like, I think it's this and theorize because of this, this. And here's the curtains are torn. Look at how the bed sheets are ripped off. That shows struggle, uh, struggle happen and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you're all wrong at the very end. And it was this great like teaching moment of you can see all of the facts leading to a conclusion in a logical place. But sometimes there's just one thing. There's just one minute detail that you might as well check out. And the thing for them was, what is up with the weird bruising like all over like the her back and all this? Is mm. this really what we think it is? And they opened up her uh, head because she also had a ton of medication. Minnesota apparently is like world famous for its autopsies. Mm. I, I really? had no idea about hey. that. Yeah, it's like weird. top four or top five in the world. Wow. Um, but they opened up her brain and they found out, oh, her brain is like strangled, is being strangled. It's not getting That's enough oxygen. That's crazy. So this was, we were almost able to put together what her life was like for like the last three months. Wow. And again, just like, whoa, this is insane. It's wild that no one like told her to see a doctor or something. I think she was told to see a doctor, but her son tried to get her to go and she just was not having it. And then she started to medicate and she wasn't on top of it. And then she would jump back on. And then that little gap that happened where she wasn't taking her medication, things got worse. And all of a sudden, she can't see. She can't see as much. And my mom's got a great line where I love how we reference our moms. It's so wholesome. Let's love, I, let's love, I love it. it. But uh, she goes, yeah, nothing ages you faster or destroys you faster than vision like loss. So once the vision goes, yeah, you know, personally, that's, you know, rest in peace, Brother Hillary. But uh, he went at the right time because he wasn't able to read anymore. Wow. And I that's one that. of those big things. Yeah, he lost his vision. And I think that's a big thing. When you lose one of those main five senses, it's yeah. really, really hard to kind of come back. I won't say like touch is one that you can go out oh, of. that's huge. But like eyes is just, you know, your brain and the way you perceive the world is once you lose that, there's a little something that's kind of just, I don't know, it's crushing a bit. But yeah. This is you can use the footstool if you want, Henry. Oh, it's don't okay. worry. It's okay. I love that you just yeah. Thanks. The old dormitory studio. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go, your, boys. Your boots are so big. Oh, yeah, big feet. Let's big dude. Go. But that's this is. I don't. I don't mean to compare this lady to like a dog. But this is a. This is a comparison I have. Here we so, go. Well, no, this we're is. Not going down a rabbit hole again. When we're talking about natural causes of death, it is really reasonable. People get upset with me a lot when I say like. The, the big thing that is compared to people is pigs in autopsies because the heart is the same. Yeah. It's a four-chamber heart. So it's okay. Don't worry. Again, so, welcome yeah, to the Ben Griffin. I'm not like agreeing like this woman is a dog. Gosh, no, no. No, no, no. But so I had a dog. Uh, he died when I was like four years ago when I was a sophomore in high school, but his name was Bongo. Oh, shout great, out Bongo. Great name. Bongo. Man, <laughs> in my feels. But towards the end of like, he got beat up a lot. Like, like we got him. He was a shelter dog, so he was kind of abused and neglected. And yeah, he was like, so when we got him, he was still a crazy active dog. And he always like, it was he was always like running around like the the lawn, like chasing squirrels, killing stuff. And he would just like run around and like beat himself up. He just run around, run into shit, falling all over the place, doing his thing. And he just yeah, he was cool. But um, <laughs> there was one time when. I, I always kind of mark this as like when Bongo started the to get old, but Ooh. he was like running around to get this score and he like tore the equivalent of his dog ACL. Oh, so he was like on three legs and like yeah. Um, 
that's like dude this is, that's the weirdest expense a surgery for a dog because it's it just has to be out of pocket so yeah he was like that for, until we could get like the money which is like a month and we got to fix up and he was fine but um he started it when he st- i don't know why i shared that i don't know if it's related but the bongo story is important no. the whole thing mm-hmm. but then when he like started to get old he had like he got he had diabetes so we had to like give him <laughs> insulin we had to like give him shots every morning and um that's real had, love had, right there. Dude, That's straight. real love. He had to have this in. special food. So my mom ordered this really like these huge bags of this really expensive food. Shout mm. out to like Chewy though. They were like the supplier and they were gangsters. They'd like send like free ones every now and then just cause like they, they were gangster. I digress. But then he, so there's all these needs and then he had congestive heart failure. So we had to have like another like vaccination Jeez. on top of the insulin with that every morning. And like, um, dude, you're he was like, like provoking he was, the Marley and me thing. No, he was like, <laughs> at the end, towards the end, he had really bad cataracts, so he went blind and deaf. So he had diabetes. He's on the special food. He was just, he was super beat up, and like he was blind, deaf, had congestive heart failure, and like, holy crap, dude was like, he was beat to hell. But like it, it, the the morning, because we were kind of debating like when we were gonna like put him down, because like he was like, yeah, it had been a long struggling. time coming though, but he was like. Yeah. He would like it sucked because he would like run head on into like corners, oh. and it was like no Vongo. We'd have to like <laughs> carry him upstairs and down. So we were like, dude was in a bad spot, my man. But um, I'm my sorry, mom was like, no, it's 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 a hell of a thing. He's like, boink. I was like, no Vongo. My Bongo. mom would take him for walks, and he would be able to like follow the sidewalk and the trails and stuff. But toward the end, this is this is just a cool story. He was like, so he had a beard. He was like mm. a a Jack Russell Terrier kind of mix he was just sure. a mud. but we had this like cool looking like log we found it was like this big and it was really cool and like twisted and it was sick we had it on the deck and he was like well i don't take him outside on the deck and he was just like hanging out and then he like sat down and he like put his head like on like the log and he just looked so like wise and somber <laughs> he looked like a wizard and he was just like it was like it was like you know in the end of last jedi when luke skywalker's like meditating he's like projecting uh, himself to like fight kylo mm-hmm. ren and then he yeah. just kind of fades away mm-hmm. that was like bongo's like luke skywalker moment and then she went and took him to get put down i was like damn wow but when he lost his vision that was when you were like whoa because when you're like bongo come here and he couldn't hear you you just like see him and then he comes to you like, All right, oh whatever. yeah but when you lose vision and when you lose that yeah. it's like that changes everything. Yeah. It's crazy. Nothing ages you faster. And like, it's so weird to think like our, like our eyes are so fragile. Like these, this is our window to the world mm. and it can get out like that. Totally. It's totally. weird. It's, it's like kind of strange to think about how, like going back to my Guatemala story where I almost died. Yeah. Our bodies are so versatile and strong, but in the same token, they're so fragile. Yeah. That was insane. It's dude. crazy. I got some weird letters about that. I'll have to show you at some point. Dude, let's go. But no, I just, I don't know where, this is just a cool little tangent, but. That is a good story. Thinking about like our bodies and function and what they mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, we take vision for granted, especially, I think. Mm -hmm. Like a few days ago, I think just like in class, my eyes started to do something really weird where like, do you ever have that where you look at a bright light like the sun and then it's kind of burned onto your retina for a little yeah. while? Oh yeah. I had that happening except like it was a larger area and like it wouldn't go away for about half the day. Really weird. I don't know why that happened. Strange. But like constantly I was just reminded of like, oh man, that's, that's really annoying. But I realized I never think about my eyes on a day to day basis. Yeah. It's just like something I totally take for granted. And like you said, they're so fragile. Yeah. And, and like, I, I have, my eyes are all weird because I had this surgery when I was a kid. Uh, it's like, 
infantile esotropia. So that my left eye would just like it doesn't really work. So I only use my right eye because like everything's really blurry. Like I can't <laughs> even read your like your Barcelona stuff right now. Oh yeah. And so like it's really <laughs> bad. But my eye would just go into the back of my head. Like mm-hmm. it would just like there's pictures of me when I was a kid where like it, this is eyes just white when Whoa. I was like really young. Oh. So I had, I had surgery when I was a few months old. Really. But it's weird because like th- the only world views are so limited and like. Because the only thing I've ever seen is I, I don't really have any peripheral vision over here on my left. So the only way I've ever seen things is without any depth perception and only through my right eye. So it's like weird to try to imagine like something else into like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like yeah how we like exist in the limits of our own capabilities. Because my right eye is not very good. I can never like read the board if I'm in the back of the mm-hmm. class. My mom's going to hear this and be like, oh my God, Nathan needs to get glasses. I need to figure this out right now. <laughs> But it's just interesting to think how how limited we can be by our own physical like being. It's, yeah. It's, it's just fascinating because we never think about it. Who's going to yeah. think about, oh, my eyes work today? It's just yeah. like, okay, that's the norm. I can see. But not for yeah. everyone. Yeah. No. It's crazy. Can I uh, come off bongo? I, I, I want to ask I want to ask a happy question. Yeah, that was we've been kind of on a you make you bum street. me out with bongo, Aww. although it's so deep. It's just like oh yeah, good old wise bongo. This is a based <laughs> podcast right now. We're on some real shit. Ben but, Griffin getting uh, real, dude. Yeah, I have no idea. I cried on one podcast once, so thank God you can't mm. hear it. But oh. yeah, I cried on one. I was like, damn. That's but awesome. that was that was cool. I had um, one of my very good friends. He's performing today. His name's Levi. Um, oh nice. Yeah, he'll be performing today. And he was just kind of going into like his passion for music and why he wants to teach him. It was like, oh my That's god, really cool. so profound. Hmm. Like, I I don't know. I don't get moved that often, but that one definitely got me. It's awesome. Um, but no, I was gonna just ask, how the hell did you two meet? Hmm. Like, cause I, I met you. I, really I met. <laughs> I don't know. Through RAs, and then I bumped into you through classwork. Yeah, we were last semester. Yeah. Yeah, and I also knew you were a runner, so I feel hmm. like I've crossed your paths because I used to work with. Uh, UW Superior's track team. Oh, yeah, yeah. So probably at some point I would recognize the long locks. You already know. Yeah. I got the but, haircut, though. Changed yeah, it looks good. Thank you're also you. rocking the, the Steve Jobs turtleneck. Bro, it's so good. You already know the Steve Jobs turtleneck. Let's <laughs> it's go. It's so good. It's so good. But do you guys remember it? How exactly? Because that was a big thing to me to invite you guys on together. I have no idea. We <laughs> just kind of appeared. I don't know. What do you think? I think it kind of culminated in the music ministry retreat we did do you remember that? oh yeah 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 yeah. i knew yeah, i definitely knew you before i don't know why okay you're, you're one of those people who like is a friend of a lot of my friends yeah i feel like we're in like similar circles like but there's of, never been like we're kind of like a venn diagram it's like here's us <laughs> here's the friend we both know and it's like oh cool yeah yeah <laughs> okay so it's kind of like one of those per- and, like, we're, peripheral we recognitions like, we both do like uh, music ministry of St. John's, like student mass. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. oh, that's right. That yeah, I see. You. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the music ministry one was big. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. had this one day retreat where we just, if you're into music ministry and you want to, <laughs> you know, find like minded people, I guess you so go to it. And, day retreat. Yeah, Nate was there. And I feel like since then, pretty much any opportunity I have to talk to with you, talk with you, yeah. I, I kind of take, which is, it's always a good conversation. Just have like, yeah, a little lunch at the reef or dinner or whatever, a little something, yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's you cool, guys, though. I think I saw you guys on the first, well, I saw you when we came back for training in We RAs. were both here early. Yeah. 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 And then I we bumped into were. you guys in the reef and I saw you guys talk. I was like, idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ah, Eureka. Yeah. Cause I was trying to, I wanted to have you back on cause uh, I should, I shouldn't say you, I'm looking at Nate. 
because you've been mm-hmm. on before. And I wanted to get Henry. You've been on the list for so long. I've Henry. been waiting, man. Top of the <laughs> list, baby. Literally, he has been on the list for probably since oh, mid-October. Oh, dang. dang. You've been a long time coming. This yeah. is a historical moment. Yeah, it's a very, yeah, I need to get a plaque. A lot of weight right here. Wow. Got to get a plaque somewhere. No, I, I've just been horrible at getting people on because it was... You know, you stumble mm-hmm. out of the gate, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. making mistakes, you're always like, ah, oh, is this the right move? Is this the right yeah. person? And I had a lot of them, like I said, I think before the show I told you that I have a lot of unaired stuff too. Yeah. I've got like about five hours or six hours of stuff yeah. that I haven't posted Yeah, that just, you know, and that's a whole week of planning and it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that happens. But mm. is what it is. But I, think, I think it's kind of cool how people, you can, because like, I don't know if there's like a moment, because I've always kind of known Henry, you've always kind of. Known yeah, each other, you know, but it's never been. It's like, just one of those static friendships. It's yeah, just kind of like we're both out here at St. John's, you mm-hmm. know, doing our thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's fair. If that's that's good though. Like it's just like, yeah, just always got along. Just always worked. Exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. I always What's try up, to. Baby? Yeah, <laughs> I try to remember that. And most of my friends I met on the first day of school, mm-hmm. like when I transferred here, it was all people really? in my hallway. Yeah. First day. Yep. Most wow. of my neighbors cool. are my very good friends now. I'm friends with people from all age groups. Like I'm not like I'm a senior, but I don't know a lot of seniors. I know like maybe five or six. That's cool. So, That's nice though. Yeah, it is. It's like one thing I really like about being like part of like cross country and track and like the Bonner leader program is like you're kind of removed from your silo in the sense because you're yeah. like you're friends mm-hmm. with everyone like all classes and people are in a ton of majors and it's it's just kind of cool to kind of be able to have that kind of like music ministry is big like kind of this yeah. more diverse set of interests within your friend group because it's easy to just be like oh we are all this and this is how it is mm-hmm. so it's like it's cool to kind of have a um a, a diversity and like lived experience which i think is pretty yeah, nice. yeah that, that's so important and i guess tying it back to dialogue let's if, if go you, if you have <laughs> friends from different groups if you have friends from different interests you're naturally going to be more open i feel like to yeah dialogue yeah. because you're not all on the same page and you're oh. not in in a bubble you're not in your yeah. silo yeah and I, like, I feel like if I walked by you guys with some of my friends' groups, you guys would think I'm just some posh prick. Because I know I dress like, yeah. I, I try to dress nicer. Because no, I take, you flexing. take pride. You're on that like how you look. I, oh yeah, I love that. It's color. it's respectful. Yeah, it's not I over just, the top. I exactly. just want to make sure like I look good for people. You know, you when I first introduce myself to folks, and then I'll be walking by with like my brother Isaiah, and he's got like shorts on, wearing a hoodie, and nah. it's snowing. And it's negative twelve. Yeah, we man. went to a hockey game like that. Like I was dressed like. Oh boy. Cause I just came from class and then he's dressed like he, you know, going to sex and he's chilling. Yeah. 15. It's so it's always, it's funny. You get those polar opposites kind of happening in belief systems and you really feel good about fact. I don't know. There's something satisfying about it. There's something satisfying about knowing that you're friends with people that, you know, you wouldn't be friends with maybe five years ago. Okay. This is a total pivot and it's going to make no sense, but I think I've been thinking about this. And why, really, why do you think I have you guys? It on? applies to dialogue. It applies to dialogue. Yeah. I want to talk about the new star Wars movies. Oh, what? Cause that is so divisive. He, okay. Pivotal wow. within, Henry, this, within the Henry, fan base. He, I said hi to him when he was doing a little was, personal workout. workout. I was <laughs> shooting around at the courts Falling. and I saw him. Yeah. I was having a harder night that night. But you're looking good though. What, what that's ball? all that matters. Yes, that's all that matters is looking good. Um, <laughs> but he came up to me and probably within two minutes, like, "Hi, how are you? Has your day been good? Yes. What'd you have for breakfast? Can't remember. Did you see the Star Did Wars see movies? Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, Did you guys know each other? 
Yeah, this okay. was. Okay. I, I interviewed him first semester, and this was we the were beginning in a second. class together. So yeah. Mm. yeah, with daughters, respect. Shout out Carol. Oh my God, I have her this year, and it's a blast. She's my capstone. Yes, Carol. And Clean Carol. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> Love but it. Uh, he came up to me, and he's like, "I don't get the new trilogy Star Wars hate." I'm like. You don't okay. get the hate? Bullshit. I don't buy it. He 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 had this bullshit. rabid look in his eyes, Henry. Really? I, I just get off. I just go crazy. I'm surprised. I understood like a couple of your points, but like like that's it. I understand where you're coming from. So, I just think it's so Okay. Why don't you why don't you elaborate? Right. Cuz okay. I'm I'm cutting you off. We there's just there's tremendous groupthink and how we go about things. New Witcher series, for example, actually kind of shit, but everyone thinks, oh, it's so good. It's not actually that good, like, from my opinion. But mm-hmm. I think there's, there's like, there's this assumption that, oh, this is, this is good. We're all going to like this. And then everyone kind of falls, follows suit, you know? But no one really likes it critically. Like with Star Wars, right? I understand the criticism and I agree with some of it. Absolutely. But to be critical of something doesn't mean you have to hate it. So, like, let's look at, like, like, like I understand that the like the hate of the writing and all that stuff, but to be able to experience this is just me being a Star Wars fan. I feel like you need to come over here and sit on the therapy couch. That's mm. literally what we call this thing now. It might need to happen. <laughs> but to, to to be able to experience a new Star Wars trilogy and to have that trilogy be the culmination of the Skywalker saga in theaters to experience it in its element, that just come on, that overshadows yeah. the criticism for me. Like like Rise of Skywalker is not a worse movie than one, and it has a worth worse Rotten Tomato scores. I don't buy it. I so I just think there's this really harsh group think about like being critical of the movie is one thing, but everyone's like, this is trash. This fucking sucks. And this there's been this kind of group polarization towards this movie's complete shit, and it's not. It has problems and it has shortcomings, but. It's not as bad as people say it is. Well, what what kind of shortcomings do you think are in it? Like, uh, like just th- put me in your mindset of what you're seeing. Okay, the biggest thing they should have kept, they should have done one director for all three. They should I agree have kept with J.J. Abrams yep. for all three, in my opinion. Because Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker connects to Force Awakens more than it does to Last Jedi, which isn't how it should be. So bringing in Ryan Johnson, no. Personally, I think Disney? either you have J.J. for all three, or you get a different director for the third. But they did I the agree. worst case scenario, yep. which is they have <laughs> JJ for the first to bring a new guy who changes everything. And they're yeah. like, bring JJ back, and he's like, just tries to fix. He it. tries to fix the whole movie. And like the, okay, yeah. here's here's it just gets so much deeper because you look at someone like Rose Tico in a character, which is huge for like Asian representation in movies. Rip. She's important, but then everyone's like, she was okay. Let's look at this from like objective standpoint. She was unnecessary. You can't take your like classic Star Wars trio like Ray Finn and um Poe and yeah. like then the droid. Like you had Han Leia Luke and like in the original trilogy and like you can't take that three, establish them, and then throw someone in in like this the middle of the trilogy because it makes no sense because then you have to develop that character and that's not what the middle movie is even supposed to be about. So it was just so weird to introduce her then because she could have been so much more. And then the only logical thing to do in Rise of Skywalker was to like quote unquote write her out. Which I think was necessary because mm-hmm. she wasn't like, there's no, she wasn't providing anything. She was kind of unfortunately baggage in the story, and like, um, and that's not because she's a bad character, but that's because of the decision to give Ryan Johnson so much agency of the second movie. So that's the criticism I really am with. Yeah. But all this stuff, like, I mean, when I get in the, in that theater, when I get in and I watch a Star Wars movie, I just love it. I just eat it up. I'm totally consuming. I'm just like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. <laughs> I love it. And, like, I don't know. 
I just look at it kind of even more like abstract in a sense, but like looking at like how people have responded to the movies is so fascinating because like people hated the the prequels mm. and now people love the prequels. I think the same thing will happen with these movies mm. in like 20 yeah. years. People are like, wow, I really didn't give those movies enough respect. And I think a lot of people just hate them because Disney bought star Wars too. And people are like, fuck big corporations. They ruined my childhood. And I think that's kind of a weird group think that's going on. Yeah. There's also the group think on the other side, which is like, Disney, like anything, <laughs> Disney consume a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, every book they put out, I have to read. I have to watch all the yeah. TV series. I have to be up to yeah. date. It's a little like, whoa. Okay, you can enjoy the movies. I don't know if you have to go that far. Facts. If you find one of these unicorns, bring them in. Yeah. I would like to talk to. Them. We just gotta <laughs> exist in the middle. That's where I'm at. Cause like, <laughs> Disney, big corporation, kind of evil. Same with like Google and like Apple. You know, there's a little like. The corporatocracy in the United activity. States. Yeah, it's, that's mm-hmm. some real shit, you know? Uh, but it's like, just because Disney owns Star Wars doesn't mean I can't enjoy these movies. Mm, but I think no. there's this deeper idea of like, no, we cannot yeah. like Disney. We can't like this. They've ruined but, it. you know, the craziest thing is it's not like people won't support the movie. They still go see the movie exactly. multiple yeah. times just to shit on it. Facts. It's like, so it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, well. I agree with your idea of like, it's an enjoyable movie. Just have fun with it. I think that's that's what they're for. My big gripe is probably it's similar to you with Rose. I didn't mind her as much. I just didn't like the casino planet. Part. That was so pointless. I they didn't really get that. Of interest. Bullshit. Yeah, no, and no, I didn't like all their casting choices. Yeah. Um, particularly, what's the? She's from Jurassic Park. I love her. Oh, Laura Hell, Dern is. Hold I up. love Laura Dern. Like yeah. love her. That didn't make any sense. But I didn't get that casting. I love her in Jurassic Park. Like. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say that. I, mean, I just that, didn't, that I wish it would have been what? somebody like Ripley from Aliens because you could buy that. It was like, you don't yeah. fuck with this person. Yeah. But there was just some choices along the road that I didn't really get. And I knew I was probably part of the problem because I grew up like you guys. I read the Star Wars lore. I got used to the idea of what happens after episode six. And I had this preconceived from reading the books and doing all, you know, being a nerd of what I expected. And I didn't like what they did with Luke because it was against what I had known since I was little. And coming back, I harped like everyone else. Like a big part of the reason I think the movie failed is because guys like me, Star Wars fans said what they wanted. And then when it was put on screen and there was so much going on and there was so much dialogue and so much exposition that it felt kind of empty. Like the story just felt like, okay, here's another Star Wars movie. The first one I'll say I enjoyed a lot. Like the first one I really enjoyed. The second one... Mm -hmm was kind of the low point for me mm-hmm. and I haven't seen the last one. Yeah. For me. But it's I know what happens. Slope down. Yep. First one, solid. When I first saw it I was a little I like the first one rip a lot. off, but then the more I thought about it, it's like, well sure it's a little too much like a new hope, but it's a well crafted movie with some good acting, entertaining plot. You know, yeah. It, the Ben Solo storyline is great. Yeah. Yep. Adam Driver carried. Yeah, he was the good whole, whole thing. I so think. good. But last Jedi, major disappointment. Mm-hmm. But also like there's pieces of it I like like the Kylo Ray connection I thought was pretty that smart in the throne room hell yeah that was yeah really good. there's so some hard. there's some cool pieces of that movie and I think kind of some bold choices that may be a little too bold but like yeah at least it's different like killing Snoke you can Early. hit on that but I remember in the theater being like what just happened like that blew my That's mind what I'm saying. that was a high point the parents <clears throat> thing was the big one that let me down in that movie like I they built like they up this thing. ran with it I mean it's a bummer but like then to be like, well, just kidding, it's Palpatine. Yeah, they can, uh, that, no, no, I knew about that. It was weird because they did this like they were nobody, and then they were somebody. It's like, oh, well, they, now we're in Emperor's New Groove all of a sudden. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> the, the thing about it, though, I'll get back to plot stuff, but like everyone goes out of this movie and like 
Okay. Or Hercules, sorry. That's it's where like, the references from. Are you good? It's like, wow, that was like so lame. That was such a disappointment. But I'm like, you can't tell me you were in that theater. Like, oh my God, he just killed Snoke. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like, well, that's it. That's you the thing. Like, I still them. enjoy yeah. those movies in the theaters. I have a lot of fun with them. I didn't have that with Rise of Skywalker. Though. I Did was you bored. Really? What? That, really? I, here's the thing. I came in hoping one. just for like utter ridiculousness. I was like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I just want to have a fun time. Like, I'm not really here to critique the movie, but I want to see just an felt X-wing. Really shallow yeah. and like yeah. not interesting. That was. I will get hate for this. I feel bad. I was my favorite one out of all of them. I Uh, loved it. I from reading about what goes on and everything, I just felt like it was a lot of like nostalgia hit points, which can cause something like this when you're talking about like the reason you love it is, well, let's bring back the old villain, let's kind of recycle some old ideas, and then (laughs) let's throw some new stuff in there that no one expected. And you either love it or you, you hate it. I mean, it. there is some bullshit, though. Like, Palpatine having kids, never even mentioned. I didn't In the Clone really Wars, that. in the prequels, yeah. in, in the, the original trilogy. That's such a cop-out. I didn't even like that they recycled him. I, I wish that it could have been more like... I don't know. Maybe this is the point where we start to lose each other, where we start pitching movie ideas. Yeah. I did this with Spider-Man 3, too, once upon a time. Mm-hmm. But I, I wish that they just focused in on the battle between Ben and Ray. And they just kind of isolated that weird connection that's kind of been teasing in the background. And will Ben go good? Will he not? I don't know. I just felt like the recycling and the, the drama of the issue just felt like I'd seen it before. It didn't really spark this new sense of adventure. It felt like, okay, the rebellion's just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like we're just going to extend that sixth movie to the ninth. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Again, I haven't seen it all the way through. I've just read the scripts Did, I, and all that. Do you care if I spoil it? No. I, I need to go hard right now. At the end, when they kissed, fuck yeah. I'm all oh, for it. I, I it thought was that so was awkward. What? Ah. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hear me out right now. Okay. That's not like romantic. There's no romantic connection between them. This whole Raylo shit, bullshit, it's not real. So, okay. Let's think about this. After what they've gone through in the past two movies and this movie, the tension within each one of them and between them and what they did and what they've been through, they just killed emperor palpatine and like ray just died and he brought her back to life the only okay emotional response is that like wow let's hug that's like some g-rated shit let's give each other a high five the emotional <laughs> the roast the emotional response isn't there like imagine if that just happened and kylo and in and ray just hug it's not the same impact so when they like kiss it's like there's like it's like in the spongebob movie when when the heart when, the the thing, when there's like the, the tear, you know, the I'm a goofy goober and it, and it brings them back to life. It's the same energy because it's the only proper emotional response. And like, it's kind of such a redemption for Kylo Ren <laughs> because his whole life he's been a Sith. No love. I killed my fucking dad. Like, oh God, he's so much pain. He didn't want to be in and the he franchise. Has, and he has like, and there's this moment of really awkward, like physical intimacy. It just works. It makes sense for the characters. Oh, if anything, God. that's like a high point in the movie. In I opinion. I agree. Oh, what a but, but what a reasoning makes sense. What a what a oh my god! Can you imagine that though? They hug. I yeah? just can't believe you like, got wow. goofy. No, I'm on I'm on board. When that happened, I was like, oh, like it's a good feeling. It's a good vibe. And then he dies. I and know. I was like, what? He said, like, ha ha. That, that did not feel right. And even if he did die. They have to like address that. They just move on. It's like, okay, he's dead. Let's go. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Ben. Like, yeah. what are they doing? They need to give them my respect. It was a weird Romeo and Juliet thing going on. There. Yeah. I just like, uh, okay. I don't know if it was my favorite one. I, I just get really caught up in Rise of Skywalker because I remember how I felt when I saw it. And I was like, so like, I was so like in it. 
Wow. But it's like, I don't know why, but I was just that movie. I was just so on board. I was all for it. I was like that with Last Jedi. But then oh, I yeah. saw it a second Last time. Last Jedi I was like, I Yeah, know. no, I feel that. But yeah. like, I don't know. I just think it was more well done than people give it credit for. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think, but like going back to how people think about it, like it's just such an extreme absolute. Like these movies are trash. Like they're not. They're not that bad. Like you can make an argument about. They're Last not Jedi. Clone Wars bad. They're not Clone Wars bad. Like they're episode not, two bad. You know, that but was like considered the worst. I just think like is there criticism and are they not very good in some regards? Absolutely, but we don't have to go immediately to the space of just utter hatred because I don't yeah. think they deserve it. I think yeah. I think all the actors and actors did a wonderful job. Like it was incredible. I just felt this connection to the characters and. The overall story, it's just the hero's journey. Everything is the same story. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. It's, I just had fun with them. It's sad that the stakes have to be so high because they're just yeah, films. I know. Yeah. And they're films that aren't meant to be taken that seriously. At the end of the day, they're I truly kind of believe. Kids movies. Yeah. I agree it? with you. At the end of the day, they're kind of meant to be, like, kids' movies. Yeah, and even the original. Like, the original is an excellently done movie, but Absolutely. George Lucas wasn't like, I'm changed in the game of film. He's like, <laughs> no. Hero's Journey. He just wanted to make one. It's just the execution of it was always revolutionary. Like yeah. the exactly the the story wasn't anything groundbreaking. He just did it in a in a way that yeah. was groundbreaking. Yeah, and I always wonder every time I see a movie now, especially just from studying some films through our comm department. One of the requirements is you study film because it carries a lot of culture. You take someone with Luke Mancuso. Love him. Yes, Benjamin. Oh my. <laughs> I love him. Groundbreaking. He's... Oh my. I want you to watch this scene, Benjamin. <laughs> I just, Benjamin. <laughs> I just. Okay, whatever you want, that, man. Luke. <laughs> yeah, he talked to me. I would love to have him on the pod. That'd be awesome. <gasps> oh my, he would dude! I was phenomenal. in a class with him. I could pull up. You, I want. I want to interview with. Uh, if you get him, I'll get you the equipment and everything. I'll try to. I'll try to pull up. I'll try to let him know. Oh God, cool. would, he right, knows I, who I am too because I, I worked though. with him. That would be sick. What's no, up, but uh, I wonder how much studios are now involved, especially Disney. Yeah. You know, it would be interesting to see after that first movie and they change directors if they increase their amount like of persuasion and reasoning they wanted on the movie and it just kept growing the further into the trilogy to try to save because mm-hmm. of the bad reviews i don't know it's just something to look at I, that's one thing about movies that they don't track usually is how much sway a studio gets that's what happened to a lot of the alien movies mm-hmm. like alien masterpiece one of the best horror movies ever made Space, cinema, sci-fi, everything about it was phenomenal. Aliens, second one, masterpiece in action, sci-fi. Third one, still, it, it, it was good. It was very, very good. It just didn't hit the marks that the other ones did, but that's what sequels are, right? Yeah. And then you get your AVPs, you get all your, your weird Predator movies, you get Resurrection. So strange. And you realize, oh, the studio came in hard here. I can't remember which movie, which Aliens it was. It might have been three. I, I got to go back. My memory is awful right now. But they basically threw out like two full scripts before they landed on that movie. Really? Because there was a logical like end. I think it was the third one because like, I don't know if you guys have seen those movies. No, actually. There's two characters in the second one that kind of make it off of the, make it out. Mm-hmm. Um, with Ripley, so there's three of them all together. It's this little girl named Newt. Um, oh my God, this is embarrassing. I forget the his android? name. No, it's a soldier. It was played by um, oh, I Paxton. Know who you're talking about. Paxton was the guy that played him. 
Is it Paxton and, Lynch? Is that the guy's actually, No, I don't John know. That's Paxton. a quarterback, I think, or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, he's from Northwestern. Um, How do I know that? That's so weird. Uh, yeah, Northwestern quarterback got drafted by um, Denver, and they threw him in there right after the Peyton Manning era. Uh, no, but basically what they did is they were like, we're going to have Newt back. We're going to have all these three characters kind of take this little family and continue. And that was the script, and they had this whole script for two full scripts. They had that. And then the studio by the third one's like, you know what? Kill them off. So all of a sudden, you open the movie and two of the main characters are already dead and it just changes the whole feel of the whole movie. So it really is interesting to see. I wish they could track how many edits Hmm. studios make because I bet it's more than we suspect. I think the problem with big studio movies now, especially Star Wars um, and probably other franchises too, is that they listen too much to the fans. Yeah, like, that's a really good point. Last Jedi was such a response to the hate that Force Awakens got. and It was um, even worse. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker was in a lot of ways a response to the hate that Last Jedi got. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to please, trying to please. And the problem is, in doing that, you're not thinking of, what's the story we're trying to tell? Like, why are we making these movies? It's just like, mm-hmm. how can we make fans happy right now? And it ultimately results in something that's really disjointed and Absolutely. it feels like it doesn't have much of a purpose for being there yeah that's how i feel about the yeah. movies they're not bad movies it's just like what is there's no plan yeah yeah and like the, with with the star wars movies the story is so weak so lame the the stories are strongest in the in the prequels like that's actually really good stuff like story wise but like with the new ones like i guess to kind of put my uh critique to rest like i just don't think they're as bad as people think they are but um, they're only good because of the spectacle they are. The story is the most shallow thing ever. It's like like it's third in grade the, shit. Which in trilogy? the sequels, the new ones. Oh, okay. I mean, it's just shallow story, basic, whatever. It's just like the new, the original trilogy re reskinned. But I enjoy it because the spectacle is in, and I don't think you should go into a Star Wars movie looking for like a masterwork in like cinema because it's a Star Wars movie. And yeah, but I just don't think I don't think they're. If I had to rate them, they'd all be like B B pluses. They're all okay. like they're pretty good, but like story's not there and story is king. But I still enjoy them. I don't know though. What's your favorite movie of all time? I'm just curious now, because y- you you you're. I'll give you my top five. Oh boy. In no particular order. Marriage Story, which I just saw, which is really good. Oh, another Arrivals. Adam Driver movie. What? Another Adam Driver yeah, movie. He's, I think he's the best actor in the okay. industry right now. So Marriage Story, um, The Artist, Cool okay. Hand Luke, Arrivals. Arrivals. Yeah, isn't that what it's called? Arrival. arrival. Is it Arrival? With the aliens? With the big heptapod things? Yeah, Arrival. Yeah. I thought it was Arrivals. That one. We know what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then this next one's hard because there's like a lot. Um, but I'd have to go with um, probably District 9. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, that's a that's really a good, good one. one. Um, and then like honorable mentions like, I mean, Clockwork Orange is incredible. Um, um. I really like Big Fish, even though it was kind of a corny one oh, with okay. Ewan McGregor. That was really good. He's one of my favorite actors. Dude, he's so yeah. good. And then, like, um, I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. Um, Silence was really good with Adam Driver. Mm, I wanted to see that. Yeah, I only watched, like, half of it. But I don't know. There's, like, so I, like, I like having, having done Luke's class, I've seen, like, a lot of, like, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, Star Wars doesn't match up at all to, like, Arrival or um, Marriage Story or anything like that. But it's so good in its own regard. But yeah, District 9, though. Neil Blomkamp's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and then I remember I watched The Artist and Cool Hand Luke um, in my what AP. Are, what are those movies? The Artist, it's a silent film that was released in 2012, actually. It won Best Picture. 
Um, but it's about this this uh, this actor, super famous. Is I forget his name. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't think so. Okay. It was John Goodman. He was in it. He wasn't the main. He was I, one of like the main. Guys. I can look up the cast because I think I recognize. Yeah, but it was it was a black that. and white silent film released in 2012 about the story of this guy who's really famous actor for the silent film industry, and then when talkies came around, his career just declined. Mm. So it's a silent film about the death of the silent film industry, Dang. which is really fascinating. It was just a, a really well done. Um, wow. So that was cool. Um, Arrivals I saw in a five dollar theater with this girl. Um, my junior high school um that was really cool her name's jamie shout out jamie if she listens to this but um that movie's incredible um cool and luke i watched my ap gov class or no ap gov ap lang um and that scene where he was eating all the there's a scene where he eats 50 eggs what, like a, what is cool and luke? i don't think i know that movie. so it's with um paul newton i think is that who it is newman paul, paul newman. newman paul newman yeah and he's like he gets arrested and he goes to this like chain gang like work prison in the south um and like the 50s or 60s and it just kind of follows him through the like this little prison it's it's really really great movie um and like we watch out i watch out with my class that and the artist so we're just so into it um district nine i watch with my dad my brother that movie is just like a trip yeah like when that that it, it's just such a good social commentary um and yeah what else did i say what was my fifth one? Oh shoot i should have been writing this down i never cool i can luke yeah. Cool and Luke, the artist. artist. Marriage story. Marriage story. That yeah, I'm surprised by that. That's that movie, one. just the intro scene of that was so like incredible. Um but yeah. But no, like I, I think it's weird because I think people take Star Wars and compare it to those things and it's like Star Wars and compared to that? Like there's critical oh. like really well done movies yeah. like that. Yeah. So you yeah. take Star Wars and compare it to these masterworks and like acting and like cinematography and just cinema. And it's like, well, you can't really compare them because Star Wars is about blowing yeah. up and lasers and lights. No, it's in an entertainment film. Exactly. Do you have any hit me? Or do you more? I do. I do. I know there's some that I'd miss, but what comes to mind is 12 Angry Men. Great movie. Oh, yes. that movie. Yeah. I saw it for my U.S. civics class back in like high school. (sighs) So good. That movie was well done. That's that's a movie that like brings you in purely just based on like the acting and like what people do. Because it's just like a play. There's no spectacle. It's one room. You never leave that room. It's all in the actors. Insane. So good. Um, and I love I love the scene at the end where like the one guy who thinks he's guilty just breaks down. It all like builds yeah. up to this, and finally he just like can't yeah. hold it in anymore. But um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid I saw recently. Oh really? That Paul Newman's that. in that. I need to watch that. It's yeah. really good. Might as well just start a list. Something it's one of those movies this. that just kind of like doesn't have a clear arc. It just kind of goes. Like oh, you okay. follow these characters, and then it just. Yeah, ends when it ends. That's sick. <laughs> I recommend it. That's cool. That That's the way. It's it's cool because like I think it's really cool watching because right now everything in theaters is like Disney, like Avengers, Star Wars, boom, blowing up lasers. It's like okay, so watching like film and mm-hmm. like cinema, really good stuff is just really. It's cool to like. It's what's, refreshing to see Adam Driver really ply his trade instead of just be Kylo yeah. Ren. You know what I mean? What's yeah. funny though is movies like Marriage Story definitely not like a blockbuster film, but um. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was like a huge hit at the time. Huge yeah. movie, but like very slow paced, definitely yeah. not action all the time. I personally feel like big blockbuster movies have changed a lot to cater mm, to a more definitely. like short attention span audience. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Because like now, like, who, like, I mean, that's, I think it's huge. Like nothing's really original anymore. Everything's, uh, most of the things in theaters 
or like reboots or just continuations of like Marvel and Star Wars universes. Like that's why I think Joker is so incredible. Mm. That's another honorable mention. Joker's really up there. I don't know if it's cracking my top five yet, but it's like it's right there. But um, yeah, that movie was like such a huge risk because mm. like not only is it kind of gonna ruffle some feathers because it's just a really rough topic and really kind of visceral film. Ben, did you see Joker? I haven't. Okay. I I didn't. See I have. It. Yes, I remember you texted me about it or something. But yeah. yeah. But um, no, don't worry if you have to spoil no, it cool. because I kind of know what happens. That's 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 a fault in my. I don't watch a ton of movies no, anymore because I not a I just time, yeah, school. I'm yeah bounced. But I think that one's cool because it's a it's such a huge risk. Like yeah, square up against these huge Disney reboots and Marvel and Star Wars and all this stuff, and then you put Joker out and which is I think incredible, like a mm-hmm. really good piece of cinema and it does really well. It's cool to see like kind of the the original. Um, like underdog exactly 100 percent. yeah yeah there was a lot of people being kind of mad about it's a white guy i think it's funny that a lot of not a lot but a a couple people kind of in like the social um justice warrior circles or like far left were upset by the movie but i think it's a very progressive movie it is 100 percent. it is that's why i was i thought it was really strange that it got the hate it did because it is so progressive and like addressing these issues of wealth inequality and i mean some people don't like how the mental health was portrayed i thought it was well done because um of course it was extreme but i thought it was still well done but mm. i try and address those issues of wealth inequality mental health um the stigma and also like the the health care attached to it like when he couldn't get his medication you know yeah so it was just really cool um but yeah it was it got a lot of backlash even mm. though it was very progressive which it kind of goes back to this whole beginning of there's these clicks within groups so you have these, we're on the same page, like people like this movie because it is progressive, but then you have other people who are even more progressive mm-hmm. who are hating on the people who are also progressive. So it's kind of yeah. a real world example of this like infighting within these like, well, that's basically, cults. yeah, that's what happens with like Captain Marvel. I have the oh, article yeah, up here because this was, that was the one that really surprised me as you get this person who's in Brie Larson, who's very progressive, very, very liberal, yeah. considered mm-hmm. in the woke community. And she's Captain Marvel. She's yeah. one of the first female superheroes we've ever had. You know, I know Wonder Woman just kind of blew the doors off. But, yeah. you know, chance to really make a really big impact in the culture and the community. And one of the first things that happens is there's a petition that starts against Brie Larson to say if she's an ally of our community, she'll step down and give uh, a gay person of color a chance at that role. That's so and interesting. Yeah, it's weird. That's what I was talking about earlier where they turn on each other you know brie larson is pushing that and now they're going after her yeah so it is kind of weird it's a weird thing to see one thing in witcher 3 i know you're playing that right now but um i oh, gotta play that game again oh. you, okay so we've all played it or here's the thing yeah. i've played bit. i've started it probably eight or nine times without ever finishing <laughs> it it's so boy so deep it's yeah. so long it consumes you is it worth it <laughs> absolutely it's worth it 100 <laughs> percent. did you play witcher one or two no. Okay. I just have received a lot of knowledge because my brother, like we were talking about this before, but yeah. we've read, he's read all the books, he's played all the games, and like he's like so into it just because he like loves it. He's like, he's just so into like that universe and the story that it tells. And But which is another strange instance because it's almost all white. There's very little racial diversity um, in Witcher based on like skin color. Um, but it's so diverse in sex. There are, I, there's probably about the same amount of like strong female characters than there yeah. are men because if you look at your lead cast, of course there's like 
Geralt of Rivia, like your man, and like. But then there's there's Siri, there's Yennefer, there's there's Triss, there's Kira Metz, there's Philip Eilhart, and there's like there's this whole lodge of female sorceresses who are like the biggest political cabal in like the continent, and it's like so there's so much female representation and well done female representation because I think a lot of sometimes it can run the risk of just being egotistical and self-absorbed. I think that was a lot of Brie Larson beef um, mm. with her casting just because of kind of the energy she puts out. But Witcher does that really well and does empowered women characters very well, but it's not diverse in another aspect racially. So it, it'll get a lot of shit for that, you know? Yeah. So it's just really interesting to see how you can be super diverse and progressive in one aspect, but in another aspect it will totally fall short. So I just think when we've been this underlying theme of like this woke culture it's like you can never be progressive enough in a sense there will always be something else to do more extreme i would really like to do a study on it i would really like to just go down and sit with people and just see what they think about it because it fascinates me because we say this from afar yeah like i i don't know if i'm not in kind of laymen when it comes to this stuff. yeah we're just a bunch of white guys in a room (laughs) Um, so take it with a grain of salt but i would really like to see up close why you engage in that because it's easy to say like oh because it it makes you feel like you're changing the community and it feels like you're bolstering yourself and there's a lot of confidence but i feel like there's another angle because what makes somebody turn on people that support them and yeah i it's it's, yeah it's the question i want to ask what makes you say you know here's henry he's a fellow ra like myself well, fuck him. Like, who fuck, does that? Fuck you, other I, I know, I know there must be stuff leading up. Obviously, that's, I'm asking it in very simple terms, but. What do you think, Henry? I don't know what I want to say to this one. This is a good I don't one. think you can say anything what's, to this. What's the question again? Is what makes people turn on their own supporters? Um, I, I feel like the answer is surprisingly simple, but I'm no. struggling to come up with it. Yeah. I, I just want to sit down. Like, again, it's. Okay. You just got to find these people and you got to meet them and just see what they have to say. And I can kind of take a stab at it. I think sure. I'm thinking of stuff. You talked about virtue signaling at the beginning. Uh, yeah. Previously. I think honestly that kind of has a big part to do with it. Because right now for MLK, I saw I went to the keynote. Um, Ricardo Levin Morales. I don't know if you went to that and you guys went to mm-hmm. that. But he talked about activism um, and how activism shouldn't be narcissistic and egotistical and like self-interested and i feel like right now it is in a sense Mm -hmm. there's so much ego attached to kind of being progressive and advocating for social justice even if it's this underlying thing i still think there's a lot of ego attached to it like posting all this stuff on your story like posting you at this protest like being as vocal as you are in such like a abrasive way i think there's a lot of like me involved in it you know what i mean like me 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 um and I think that can have a lot to do with kind of this infighting that happens because at the end of the day, I feel like people, I, I hate to like generalize, but we kind of have to for the sake of like talking about big groups. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes back to that like aspect of self-interest, this kind of underlying like, oh, I want people to see me. I want people to look at what I'm doing. So yeah. it's not really for, even though you're doing something good, it can kind of take a perverse kind of motivation, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't I know if that. I really agree with that, but it's like, I think that can be like that's there's potential to have that be a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, I, I don't know if there's that's such a challenging sure. question. Well, yeah, I, I don't think we're not in it. So we yeah. don't know. And but, yeah. Do I, I think part of it too is just what we hear. Mm-hmm. Like the the loudest people are the people who are 
basically uh, shutting others out. Yeah. And, you know, defining the group, the in-group, the out-group, and doing what we're talking about. And, um, you know, the people we don't hear from are those who aren't bothered by it because they're not going to say anything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think, I think this, like, we keep going back to this thread, but dialogue and things like this, like, Ben is loving it. Like, um, yes, sir. Like, going back to, like, I these... Can't, I can't believe for one full podcast... I we've all stayed on topic. No, it kind of breaks my heart a bit. Th- no, let's think about this though. We just did Star Wars. We talked about memes and like the super deep like memes of like super conservative people who believe like the yeah. the Jew the Jews control the media and want to take over America. Like we've somehow tied that in and Star Wars and Witcher. Don't and forget dogs, Bongo and yeah and <laughs> the prison system. We've all tied it in with this thread of dialogue and like I think that's so cool. And yeah. I think we need more of it because like Henry said in the very beginning, climate change, right? Mm-hmm. We need to talk about it Yeah. because if we don't talk about it, it's just a bunch of people yelling at each other from across the river yeah. and that's never going to work because soon the river is going to consume us all because, well, our fucking oceans are rising and we're warming up. So it's like, let's actually talk, you know? Yeah. It's cool. Full circle. Dude, I love wow. it. We're vibing. Let's go. Well, no, I'm, I'm just going to say this right now too, Henry. If you want to bring people on, I, I'm happy to set up a panel. Because I can do f- nice. I can do three mics or four, Ooh. and oh, I'm happy to have people that are interested in the same topic to come on and have a long discussion, and we can send it, it out to. It would be fun. We can send it to Johnny Benny Media, and they can disperse it that way. That'd be sick. It would be fun to if we wanted to go off of climate change or any issue. Yeah, dude. If you brought three people in, you got the straight up climate change den- denier. You got the person who just like doesn't want to talk about it, who might be somewhere in the middle, and the person who's like a huge advocate. Yeah. And try to bring them together. That'd be that'd, that'd be, be fun. It would be intense, but I think it'd be worth it. Mm. If I can find those folks, I'll definitely try. I think like we always surprise ourselves somehow. Yeah. Like when you get in the room with someone and you people are in the space to be like persuaded and be able to hear someone out, I think some really cool stuff can happen. Yeah. Like no, definitely. We don't give ourselves enough credit in that sense. And we don't give the people around us enough credit. You know yeah. what I mean? I think we're all smarter than we think. You know, <laughs> especially you've been. God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm an idiot. You fool. Well, no, you're I, not. Think, <laughs> I think you have to approach things knowing that you don't know the whole truth. And I, I just have to constantly remind myself that because, believe it or not, I used to kind of be stuck up and think I, I, I told my partner. I actually don't see it. I in can't. In Crime lie. Vincent, he's, um, he works on another podcast under our crew i don't know what you call it i don't know if this is a network or a conglomerate or what the hell we're doing Media but he, conglomerate i'm i oh, work yeah. yeah i work i help him i helped him set up a podcast mm-hmm. and i help him out with that stuff but i was telling him about this idea of um it's almost like the smartest guy in the room syndrome the i'm the man syndrome mm-hmm. and coming from superior i definitely felt that way because i was doing really well in my classes and i just didn't felt feel challenged yeah and you get to a point where you're, you're kind of a dick yeah. And so I just try to remind myself because I failed so much. And I was talking to you before the show about all the stuff I tried to do and I d- didn't work. And it kicked my ass enough to prove that you just got to settle down and you got to be willing to learn and walk up and remind yourself, I don't know the full thing. Even yeah. if I've been doing this, I'm, I'm the only guy on this campus, I think, that is self-taught in podcasting. That's doing oh, his own stuff. I, I'm, I'm positive. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm an independent. I don't work with Johnny Benny Media. I work with them, like for their news group. But in this, I, w- I had to kind of do a breakup. Um, all the best. Like, it was the best thing for everybody involved. But I, I think when you walk into a situation like talking to Henry and talking to you, I don't know the full truth. 
and I probably never will. So don't approach it like, oh, I know Nate Dog. I, I know what he's about. Because mm -hmm. you just don't know day to day what you're going to find. Yeah, it's always find. dynamic. And if you walk into a conversation self-reflective, and that's usually what I mean by when I say I'm a, I'm a certifiable idiot, is I, I'm an idiot because I need to constantly like reevaluate myself every day. You just yeah. got to keep check, keeping yourself in check because you run into folks and you find stories that if you're not self-reflective, you won't let them, you won't be pliable and you mm -hmm. won't be able to take those lessons and use them in your life. A lot of the really good lessons that I've learned are from realizing that I miss the big moments like most kids got. Like I won't go into them too much because they're kind of personal and no, that's, that's not okay. probably the best of share on here. Mm. But People, like Henry said, you know, you, you have these folks that are very closed off and there's folks that believe that this is just the way this is. This is how I present myself. I'm proud of who I am. It's it's very plausible to be proud of who you are and know that there's still room to improve Absolutely. every single day. I like it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of that mantra. If you can make a man smile, you've changed the world. If you can just make a man smile, you can change the world. And if I can sit down and have a nice conversation be open and thoughtful about it and try to entertain an idea that I've never thought of before, then I've done something to help the world. Like I've made a big enough difference in my life that I can go around and try to apply that another way. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. it doesn't have to be big. It can be talking about star Wars. Yeah. Like I really think people get caught up in grandeur a lot. Absolutely. And that's what I like to say. That line is being a certified idiot. is an awesome thing to me. Like it gives me yeah. space to work. It gives me so much momentum and room to expand and chase what I want to do. I got involved with cults. Who? What logical yeah. human being would get involved the in cults? Scientology mailing list. Yeah. Like, you really? Yeah, I'm, I'm followed by them on the mailing list, and I'm I'm considered a, uh, an SP, a suppressive person. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but I, that's why I say that line. is It's a good thing. Cool. Being a certified idiot. We're all certified idiots. I like it. I it's, like that. It means you, you have the ability to go after and chase things that you don't know about, and you're comfortable being vulnerable and learning and applying yourself to new stuff uh, but yeah that's what i mean by that going I, going off I of like that, that i like that as well i think it's so important to accept we're not always right you know no one is right 100 percent of the time even Absolutely. the smartest people mm -hmm. but we're not always wrong either no and you have to be okay sharing your opinion sharing what you believe knowing that yes you have something worthwhile like yeah. you have experience worth sharing but when it goes up against something that might be better or if you are wrong on that front, be humble about it and it's not a personal attack. No. And you just grow from it. And it's no. so hard for people. I think people either want to think, I know what's up and spread the word or they feel like they don't know anything and they can't talk about these things. Yeah. But we can all have conversation about it, a little give and take. And the it's movement of the goalposts of reality too. When you say something totally out of left field that somebody's never had any experience with, it's kind of frightening for folks. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. it is interesting when I get people to sit down with me and we start talking about something that they don't really have experience with. It's like, I, this is not an interview. This is, feels more like an attack. It's like, no, 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 no. The reason I'm asking you this is because I want fresh eyes. I want new, new minds to set their eyes on this, but yeah, sorry. I cut no, you, you off. Okay. You were going to go is, somewhere with that. This is incredible. But I remember, I think there's like, I like what both you guys are saying. And like, it reminds me of this marriage story, this part <laughs> no. marriage story. So in the beginning, there's like, cause he I, says that's so smooth. He's just uh, like, and now I marriage story, mar marriage story. <laughs> but like when there's a scene where, where oh, 
crap, what are their names? Charlie and what? What's the other girl's name? Why am I not? I can't remember. Whoever Scott Johansson plays. Ah, this is a sin. This is a, oh no. I'll look remember. it up. Give me a minute. Thank you, yeah. Put me up real quick. Yeah. I, mean, I can't remember this. It's, um, it's a girl who Scott Johansson plays. Uh-huh. Okay, one sec. Um, oh my God. And I look up the cast and it doesn't even say her name. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> this is, we're having technological difficulties here. <laughs> Uh, Nicole Barber. Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. There we go. Is her name in there. I knew that. No, so <laughs> in, in the intro slot where it's like things I love about Nicole, things I love about Charlie. They're like in, they're reading things they love about each other. And this one thing Charlie says about Nicole. Oh, Laura Dern's in this movie? I might yeah, have to watch it. Yeah, she's really good okay. in this one. But, um. It's like she, the cast from Star Wars. It is. Really, I you know, love it. Yeah. Fun. I'm going to have to so check that out. So he, he's like, one thing I love about her is like, Whenever someone asks if she's seen a movie or if if she, if someone's talking about a movie or a play, she always if she hasn't seen it, she just says I haven't seen it. But I'm always like, oh, I don't know, or I haven't seen it in a while, and make something up. And I think we all do that. Like it's like mm-hmm. like oh hey like have you seen have you seen like Cool Hand Luke? And if, let's say I haven't, I'd be like oh yeah yeah I, I watched it a while ago though, so I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. I think there's such an uncomfortable aspect of not knowing. So yeah. this this simple scene of marriage story where she's like, whereas I make something up and say I haven't seen it in a while, she just admits like she didn't know it. I think that's really important to yeah. be like, you know what? I've actually never thought about that before. But I think nowadays we're all kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of know what you're talking about, even if yeah. we don't. So we kind of have this yeah. facade up of we already know. Yeah. And like, I think it's I think to be able to prod and to have these new ideas. And like like you said, even if we don't know the whole thing, still contribute. But like you said but know that we don't have the whole thing. Yeah. And we probably never will. We never will. And I just think it's cool to like be able to entertain and introduce like nowadays it seems like changing your opinion is like a loss quote unquote. Yeah. Mm. Dude, if you're changing your mind, that's good because you're learning stuff. Mm -hmm. No, like I said, Mm -hmm. I came out of high school more conservative minded and I'm not even, I wasn't even political. I didn't even know what the hell was going on, but it's about going out and engaging with folks that you're uncomfortable around and you never know. Who's going to end up being your best friend? Like Daryl Davis in the Ku Klux Klan. His best friend was in the KKK. Yeah. And my best friend ended up being a member of LGBTQ and I came out of conservative Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's <clears throat> so interesting for me in terms of being shaped by uh, your perspectives being shaped by things around you? Personally, for me, I've been shaped by the opposite of what belief I have. And I'll explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to a high school that was very, very liberal, like super progressive, and I grew up pretty liberal. My parents mm-hmm. are, are kind of, and um, that experience shaped me definitely to be way more conservative, and I would say yeah. I was on trajectory to probably, if I like continue to stay at that high school, go alt-right or like heavy conservative. Yeah, that's fascinating. Just, just like being in that environment really made me kind of hate liberal ideology. But then 11th grade, I moved to a public high school in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And I think that not to say that like that's a conservative place, but it was just politics wasn't a part of things. And I think that changed a lot. And then coming here, being in like a Catholic university has really shaped me to be like kind of appreciate my urban roots a little bit. Yeah. So like it's almost like the, I have the opposite reaction to. That's cool. It's, you have balance, which is so but nice. You I, have I don't know if you guys both. have had that like. Because I thought, like, oh, if I go to a liberal high school, I'll probably, you know, join their ideology. Or if I go to this Catholic college, I'll probably, you know, like, be more Catholic and whatever. But One thing I think you have that I think is really cool is, like, 
you're, I think both of you guys, you guys are like smart enough to not just like be like, I'm in the stream, time to go with it. You know what I mean? Like there's this cognizance of ideology of like the presence of ideology and you know it. So you don't just hop into the liberal high school and become boop. I'm just going with it. You know, there's like such a cognizance of what's going on around you and you don't just consume it and eat it up and just, it doesn't become you. You take account of it and you, you apply it, how it will be applied to your life. So I, I think that's something about both of you guys. I think is really cool because you have the cognizance to not just be sucked into it, but to actually think about what's going on around you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's a little more rare than I think I'd like it to be. You know what I mean? Um, well, it's scary. I think it's it really frightens cool. me when I, I go out because, um, you know, I'm, again, I was at Superior, how quick people are willing to kind of conclude their their ideologies for another just to kind of fit. And, you know, I get walked out on by people that don't understand. I just don't like alcohol. Yeah. And I, I'm That's amazed crazy. because they could be here. They could be helping me now. Yeah. They could be some of my best friends. And I could be helping them out with all that sort of stuff. It really does close you off. But, yeah, no, it's... I, I hope that people learn that... We, we were talking on... I believe you're on the ninth one I had of these. Yeah. Something like that. I'm sorry. I lose track no, of no, all the you're, hours you're I have. But, um, yeah, we were also talking about taking your self-image from the images out there on the internet and what you see outwardly. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot too, is that you're just not going to run into a guy who's 6'3", has curly hair and a beard and looks kind of like a really hot lumberjack from a modeling group. Thank you. Know? you. You're go. welcome. Thank I'm you glad go. you knew yes, who you sir. were. But Call out, you're just baby. not yes, going to find... Let's go. <laughs> We gotta rock the flannel. We should have we should have flannel uniforms. Oh, oh my god! Oh it's, it's like a, yeah, like a lumberjack yeah, biker hey. gang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we run on vegetable oils, boys. Um, no, but I, I, it does frighten me sometimes when I see some of my really good friends who I know are brilliant, who have really good ideas to offer, and who definitely have had an impact on how I see the world. Kind of hide and would rather just yeah. kind of fit in. I don't know, but I'm also guilty of that. I do that all the time. I'm, I'm self-conscious about it. Every Absolutely. time I walk through the reef, I got my headphones on because I'm scared of talking to somebody and making a fool of myself. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm, that is. I want to. I don't know how much time we have, but I do. Oh, wanna, dude, we got plenty. If do you guys want to take a like a break? Let me know too, because I know yeah, we've been I'm going chilling, a Maybe like. If you want to, yeah. You want to take a quick break and then we can jump back in. I kind of have this? to go pee. Same okay. Here, so seems lie. fair. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's do that. But I, right. I have an idea that we can jump Come into. back to it. Hold it. It has to do. <laughs> Hold it. Not the urine. Teaser. Teaser. Okay. <laughs> this is a teaser in the teaser. radio stations. All right. Then we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in like right now. See? We're fast. There um, we go. Okay. Henry, let's get back to this. Okay. So you were talking about how. It's sometimes hard to, maybe this wasn't how you put it, but socialize with people or always be ready to have that discussion and share your yeah. views. And you talked about how like walking through the reef, sometimes you're wearing headphones. Yeah. You're just not ready to communicate. And something I see a lot of, and I'm sure you both have seen this, is people wearing AirPods in particular or just any um, like headphone set pretty frequently to avoid conversation. Maybe not to avoid conversation, but just that's like become ingrained in their daily life walking around. Mm-hmm. And it's something that personally, I don't want to say scares me, but maybe does bother me a little bit 
Um, and I'm wondering what you guys think. Is it maybe like a loss of human interaction? Are we losing the opportunity to yeah. connect on a daily basis? Oh, I definitely think we're losing it. I think it it's individual, though, on how. The big thing that I realize is social events aren't as social as they used to be. Eating dinner is not as social as it used to be. Going out with your friends isn't as social as it used to be mm-hmm. in, in weird ways. Like, I've been in tech circles. I've been, you know, I've done that. I personally, I have to put my phone down when I'm with people. Yeah. And otherwise, I just, I know, I, I get self-conscious that I'm looking like a jackass. So, I, I definitely think there's something to that. I think now with the, the smaller technology and the more discreet stuff gets, people think they can get away with more. Um, but the big thing I also worry about is genuine, like being genuine when you're at the table and when you're with people. Because mm-hmm. I feel like not just technology, but this would be a very different conversation if I was looking down at my phone and just talking at you. Mm-hmm. And the generosity of your time kind of dissipates. So I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if the more technology gets pushed, the harder it's going to get to communicate. I, I just think that regardless, it's going to become less authentic. It's going to become more like disposable conversations where people are just catching up with you on Snapchat because they've got a streak score. The and thing that always blows my mind is the phenomenon that is like Snapchat streaks. People will, yeah. I, I just see people. I just have this vivid memory of biology class in my sophomore year. I was sitting next to this girl and she was like, scrolling on her phone and it was just snaps like scrolling and scrolling scrolling just like hundreds of snaps from people and like that's so strange because then i would see her go through really fast each one just with a picture of her face and like that is our interaction it's just keeping yeah. the streak just and it's like it does seem so disingenuous i don't know if that's is that a word but disingenuous yeah but it, it just seems so artificial because it's like the, the, this streak is what is my it's my friendship value and i think yeah. that's weird like to see this person just go through and just just send like just response to 50 plus people within like 30 seconds is crazy to think yeah. about it's interesting to see how like friendship is now being this is going to be a hard way of saying it but volume of people that you know mm-hmm. is so strange now because I remember when I was younger, because I'm at the right age. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'm a couple years older than you. You're 22, you said, right? Yeah. So right, what, cool. two, three years older? Mm-hmm. Uh, Two. Two. Three. Okay. Three. When's your okay. birthday? July 20th. Oh, almost there. Oh, okay. Not You're really. right next to my Head. sister. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, my brother's January, July 25th. Is oh. he going to turn 19? No, he's 17, 18. Holy Wait, shit. I'm going to turn 20. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that young. Yeah. Oh, okay. So two years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But... um. No, I was going to say, like, I remember when you're little, even as an adult, I remember seeing my mom only had maybe, you know, you have maybe five to six really good people Mm -hmm. that you hung around with. And you knew other folks, like you had friends outside and you could be very social. And that was the thing, you know, but a very social person might be having accessibility to maybe like 20 people. Like that was a big group, 20, 25, maybe now. It's like 50. I have contact with at least 50 people a day. And do I really know who they are? Do I know who their parents are? You know, you kind of, I call it like the dating mind. Mm. Like when you Mm. run through like your dad's dating mind of who is he? Who's his family? When is this? Blah, blah, blah. Like in the mind of the father of the (laughs) bride kind of thing. You don't know jack shit about anybody on there. Yeah. 
And it is kind of interesting, the amount of volume. And again, going back to you're not very, it's not you. They don't really know you. They're not accepting of you. They don't really have anything other than they just want to be followed like everyone else. Yep. And we're looking at ourselves. One thing you said, generosity of our time. Yeah, that's is huge. So powerful, I think. Yeah. Because in our current culture, like Nate was saying, the people on that snap streak got half a second of time. Yeah. Like, what is that much. worth? Like, nothing. It's worth yeah. nothing, in my opinion. And, like, what we're doing here is, you know, we're making a sacrifice to be here. We're taking yeah. time. Time is, yeah. in some ways, like, a value higher than money. You yeah. can't. No. Make, you can't get any more. No. And you can't. Um, it's it's a beautiful thing to take three hours, four hours, whatever that time is, and say, you are worth giving that time up that I Absolutely. could be doing something mm-hmm. else. And we're losing that, I think, a little bit. And I think yeah. it's I think it's strange with that like volume of what you have because right now it's quantity over quality. It seems like, mm-hmm. and and it's just so strange. Like, because I just remember that happening. And I was just like, that's such a novel idea. But that's kind of the norm because now it is like how it's it's how many Instagram followers you have. It's how many people saw this on like Visco. It's how many people Snapchat <laughs> every day. It's whatever. And it's just such a strange thing. It's just a strange idea to be to have friends, but to not. In my philosophy class last semester, when we were talking about like the four types of love, um, philia is friendship. Yes. Um, and the... Um, c.s lewis who i mean wrote the four loves he kind of unpacked them he was he kind of made this point that a lot of people go through life not having any friends because what is a friend it's some guy you followed on facebook that's called a friend now so our definition is so loose and anyone can be a friend but how many people can actually be like a legit 100 percent real friend mm-hmm. and that seems like such a rare breed yeah because we're so stuck in snapchat yeah. and the streaks so it sounds kind of depressing, but I was just, I think that that lends itself to this topic of yeah. um, what friendship really means. Cause you just need, I don't snap to anyone, but I have some people. Like yeah. I have you guys, I have my cross country guys. I have like my brother. I have some you really have it as great the median people to keep up with people. Like yeah. that's the thing. It, the folks that use it as kind of a, it's almost like a marketing platform now. It is actually, that's a good analogy. Yeah. But no, I, I understand how you use it. The, but then the, the problem is, not the problem, but the reality is almost everyone uses it. And yeah. I think we're all on the same page that a lot of the time it's pretty meaningless, that connection. But very few people are actually saying, okay, then I'm just not going to do Snapchat. I'm not going to do Instagram. We still do it. And so when do we cross that line into yeah. meaningless territory? Like when is social media beneficial? And like when yeah. do we get something out of it? Yeah, I, I know personally I don't benefit from it any way. And I'm thinking about, well, right now I'm doing this uh, experiment in communication with um, Professor Berg. And we're basically studying and tracking the rates of like screen time to just how your overall mood changes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to slowly start to cut it off over the next four weeks. Well, after spring break, I'll probably really do it hard. But I'm going to try to cut every single week my screen time in half and see how much better I feel or worse. So like if I'm averaging four now, next week it will be two, then one, then half an hour. So you just keep dividing by two. And a lot of the results that people have, especially those people that aren't on social media are really, really good. But it it is, it is interesting because it's, it's addictive. It's like a drug almost, which is kind of crazy to me. And like you look at even things like call of duty, for instance, 
<laughs> the, the, sorry, this makes sense. But it's it's built on... Never change the way you set up a topic. You're just like, you know listen. What? I got to pivot. Now listen, y'all. We're about to talk about Star Wars or something. <laughs> but uh, with with Call of Duty, it's, that is, in a sense, an addiction. Temple Run and Jetpack Joyride are, in a sense, an addiction because you're just doing the same thing over and over again because it, like, feels good. When you mm-hmm. when you get that, like, sick fucking, like, double kill or, like, quad feed or whatever and all the points <laughs> pop up and stuff, it's like, oh, yes, this feels so good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're just addicted. You know, it's the same with, like, oh, yes, look at all these snaps rolling in. It's yeah. the same energy. And, like, that's – does that norm – I think that norm becomes problematic yeah. because then socialization and friendship is just totally kind of – takes a perverse form of utility and just yeah. like oh these are just people yeah. i snap who are followers. we definitely have utility relationships now there's not as much like going which isn't a bad thing not necessarily it not just necessarily doesn't a bad it doesn't thing. fulfill you in a way yeah. that an agape love of a friendship where we mm-hmm. go back to donating that time that kind of care love yeah that caring that generosity kind of love not mm-hmm. well, i don't know if you guys know agape i'm in a capsule with love class i'm yeah. learning it about Love sex. Oh, so you know all about this. Yeah. It's, it's really great. interesting. What's I like agape? this class. Agape is, it comes from a Christian root. Um, we have Agape Sunday during um, Advent. It's the third Sunday. That's the pink mm-hmm. candle is Agape Sunday. Agape love is the form of love that is totally generous, total charity. It's coming from the set of, I'm just going to give because it's for the betterment of others. Um, it's not really meant to be like romantic or anything. It can be, you know, if you have like, if your wife, I'll do anything to see her get, you know, to improve her life to do, that would be a form of agape love. It's a combo with others, but agape love is definitely, um, think of it, the charitable love that I don't have to, there's no reason for me to, but I am because it's for the betterment of others. And I would like to see that, like, there's nothing you're going to take away from that. Um, that's what I always thought of friendship. At least that's what I looked at for friendships is people that aren't just objective, but also care about seeing you to a better place, even if that doesn't involve them. And that means spending time with them, just giving them a moment and listening and just, I I mean, we all have different ideas of what we want in a friend, but the best friends I've ever had are people that pushed me to be better people that challenged me and really cared about, you know, how I was spending my time. I, I don't know. I'm tr- I'm trying to really like reminisce at the same point so I can pull an example. So I'm kind of tailing off. No, but. this, this might, this might, this probably comes because I'm like a runner. So this example makes sense to me, but I think being on a team with like a bunch of like right now, we have such a great team culture going, but being on a team and collectively suffering with your guys and then achieving something and just hugs all around fist bumps, like, you know what I mean? That that collective joy, because mm-hmm. like to laugh and to cry and to like hurt and feel pain with someone else, is everything. It's huge. Yeah. So being in a sport where it's gonna hurt every single day and you have to get out the door and you have to really grind and it's gonna be hard to do that with a bunch of guys. That's like, I mean, that's love. You know what I mean? And to laugh and to do dumb shit together <laughs> and to be disappointed together yeah. and to rejoice together. It's such a roller coaster. But but that's love. That's how it is. That's what it is. And to to forge it in that sense through so much strife potentially, but so much joy too, that's something you can never get off of Snapchat or Instagram. No. That's something you can only get 
with someone else, you know? So just that, just going through things together um, and laughing together and crying together and hurting together is, it's not there. You have to forge it. You have to yeah. hone it and temper it because it, it can't work if you don't. It's just yeah. anyone can do it if you if you don't have to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I think in crisis during someone's life or hardship during someone's life, the people they fall back on, it's not their Snapchat followers, Instagram followers. Absolutely. It never is. And if they try to do that, it's just, it's not fulfilling. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. It's just to, to, atten- to, to be, to just be human and to be just here and to live well here. It, you need someone else. I remember I was in Gretzky the other day. I was eating lunch and this girl, one of her friends come up. She's like, Hey, like, do you, you want to sit by me or whatever? And the girl's like, I don't know. I kind of want to just watch TV right now. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, I mean, self care. I get it. But I was like, damn, I would never want to do that. Mm-mm. I don't want to, I don't want to be like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to stay in and just like play Xbox tonight. But sure. Like sometimes, but like if someone comes to my door, it's like, Hey, you want to hang out? If I ever go to the point where I'm like, you know what? No, I don't know. I don't know if I want that because there, there's two there's of course your self-care of course you need your own time but i don't ever want to shut someone else out because i think i have something more important to be doing mm-hmm. and if that's something as novel as playing fucking witcher 3 you know i don't <laughs> want that to happen but i feel like it's so easy to fall into the trap yeah of you know what i don't think i want to i don't think i want to drop by even for like 10 minutes i just eh, i don't want to do that i don't really want to hang out I, I just kind of wanted to you know i i think that that comes to a point where it can be it can be almost like a, an infection. Never, you just never yeah. want to do it. Never half-ass two things. Half-ass exactly. one thing. In the great words of Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> half-ass one thing, baby. We're going to yeah. quarter-ass this one. No, we're, we're just going to whole-ass one thing. Facts. Get yeah. that done. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like Either I'm be not, in or out. Facts. Yeah. But I'm not saying like self-care and time to yourself is like unimportant. But um, I think you just have to keep yourself accountable and don't get in the habit of just shutting others out for like mm-hmm. you know yeah. do you, does that make sense totally. yeah i, don't know. I do i, I, I follow you find the words so, yeah, yeah. Oh, after spending you know what two and a half hours with you i'm starting to speak your language I, i'm, I'm starting to figure that's it out. what we like <laughs> the, the henry dog language oh, there we go the henry dog language, henry dog language. that's that's nice. what we're called oh All god right. i i sense a podcast coming there we go but no going, dog. going off of a point and dog. dog what's up henry going off of a point brought up a little a little while ago but you said snapchat is kind of an addiction mm-hmm. and i think that's so true like when you're doing snapchat when you're playing a game when you're taking a drug it releases chemicals in your brain it feels really yep, good yep. but you move to a point where you no longer get that chemical release and it's just an obligation just an and you feel ah, like it's true if you don't do it you're gonna lose it all and so, like, when I see people on Snapchat streaks, at a point, I don't think they're actually getting any, like, pleasure out of it. Just it's just, keep like, going. I have to do this. Like, if I don't no. do this. Yeah, and there's this That's weird, strange. like. strange. I never thought of it that way. There's no satisfaction, but there's all, like, backlash. If you break that, you feel like you've, like, hurt somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so Can strange. Can you keep my streaks? I'm not going to have my phone for a few days. I'm going to, like, this camp or whatever. Can you keep my streaks? I hear that all the time. Yeah. Especially in high school. It's like. Yeah, I'm not gonna have my phone. I'm doing this counselor thing. Can you like keep my streaks? Here's my yeah. account. Keep my streaks. Yeah, weirdest thing ever, but it it just makes sense for some reason to just keep it going. I don't know. That's you you plateau because you you start you just need more and more and more. That's fascinating. I never thought yeah. about it in the sense of plateauing, and like just needing it to live. Yeah, that's interesting. 
And that's how it is. Just Just allow stuff to kind of exist on its own plane. Let Let it just kind of be. And you don't need to keep adding more and more to your life and expect that to kind of blossom. I get the idea that it's a social connecting app and of you course. want to meet people, but it is funny to me where, especially, excuse me. Oh, you're okay. Uh, with some of my very good buddies, how many people that follow them? Yeah. And I'm just absolutely astounded. Like you keep snap scores with like over a hundred people. How yeah. do you, how do you do it's that? Incredible. And they're like, Oh, well, I, it's picture face gone. And I guess that kind of brings us back to where we started is it, it doesn't really help. It doesn't help us. It much. promotes no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. It just, it's like, a, it's, we're just kind of all in our boxes and then we just reach over once to yeah. know we're still there. And it's a measuring stick of how important we or our satisfaction in other people's lives yeah. that we have. It is. That is a strange thing. We wonder how other people think about us more than we think about how we want to feel. Exactly. That's, That's a really bad way of saying that sentence. I'm wait, sorry. say it again. Say it again. Like, Again, no self-reflection. We, oh, we're we're more concerned about how other people feel about us and the impact we have on their lives. And how we actually feel. And the impact we have on our own and yeah. the choices we make and how we choose to present ourselves and yeah. you know the so passions true. we follow. So true. We think so often, at least I do, about what others think of me. Yeah. And like that's my how I judge myself. You should be more selfish, Henry. You should be more selfish. You should think about what you want to do with your life. It's true. Thank because you. then you'll you, greed is good. People greed get on good. the bandwagon. Greed is good. <laughs> greed is good. Consume <laughs> baby but Yoda. Thinking, ah. Going back all the way to the impeachment trials. All of those that's Republican senators. It's so all those Republican yes. senators were thinking, What will my team think of me? What will my yeah. senators think yep. of me? Instead of what will God think of me? How can I live with myself? Yeah. How is your that? own moral code going to hold up and how do you want to hold yourself and there's what There's a light? whole there's a whole part. God, this is you're going to get a kick out of this. The intro scene in Skyrim where you're Ooh. in Helgen. <laughs> My ancestors are smiling on me Imperials. Can you uh, say the same? Yeah. Bring it home. It's man. the same thing though. I it's can't the, believe you just pulled that. It's, it's the so same good. thing. Hey you, you're finally <laughs> awake. <laughs> this is this is why. This but is it's why but I it's have true. Cuz you look at Mitt Romney and going back to the impeachment, like that was genius, Henry. But you oh, you bring that back. That was genius. God, it's like it? working with Evan Costello. I hey, love it. It's incredible. But no, you. That's <laughs> a, we can bring that back to arrivals because that's what the aliens are called. Oh, I got It's almost getting to be that sorry, time. Sorry. I got to wrap this thing sorry, up. I'm, uh, I apologize. I guess we'll 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 bring it. We'll bring it home. Yeah, bring it oh, home. Pat, this is a nice spot. Say? Oh no, you were saying the Imperials are smiling oh, upon yeah. me. But with Mitt Romney, <laughs> I think you can extrapolate that anywhere because he's doing what's right in his conscience. And he's doing what's right before God. And he, he's, he's aware of his faith. He's aware of what's going to happen. He knows. He knows this is going to kill his career. He knows what he's doing. But he's going to do it anyway because it's right with his conscience. It's, it's right. It's right what's going to work. It's, it's, it's going to work with him. It's going to sit well in his heart. And even though it's going to have this backlash, doing the right thing, even though it's hard, is I think the biggest mark of virtue a human being can have. Yeah. Um, because you just kind of go forward with reckless abandon for yourself. And it can promote a lot of good, because I think if a lot of if you follow what you're gonna think is right, and if everyone does that, there's just gonna there's gonna be a place of peace within yeah. everyone, and um, just this. Well, other people are great, but you don't have to care what they think. So I think yeah. Mitt Romney is an incredible example of what he just did uh, in the impeachment trial, because that's yeah. that's real shit, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. So. Skyrim. That's Skyrim. real shit. That's, That's real, real shit. shit. <laughs> Skyrim, Witcher, Impeachment Trial, Minions. We out here right now. Let's go. Oh my god. What a. Oh my god. Well, what a way to end that. Wow. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me yeah, today. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ben. I, I'm going to probably get you guys back on here probably sooner rather than later. Absolutely. I always enjoy I'd seeing you. That would be awesome. Be no, down. yeah. Let me know anytime. I like, like I said, I this is this is the studio. I run a bunch of stuff out of here. So if you ever want to just come in and chill and talk, you're welcome to do that. Um, wrote, I'm going to plug real quick. Uh, listen to the Candace podcast, one of our new groups. They came on. Um, we're workshopping two new projects coming out very soon. So if you're a listener or loyal listener, look out for those. I think we got a new one. I won't say the name yet because we haven't had a proper name chosen, but it should be interesting. I'm kind of excited. That's a tease. You should watch for the new stuff there we're coming go. out. Watch for future announcements. And as always, if you want to get in contact with the show, feel free to email us at bengriffinpodcast at gmail.com. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, hit us up, continue to do so. And like we said in the podcast, I also have a Minds account now because I'm getting older and I need to learn new shit. <laughs> so feel free to reach out. Thank you to all those who have been. Um, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. Henry, Nate Dog, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody.